And we're back. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again to another episode of Cut Talk Podcast. As always, I'm here. Today we have a very special, special, special guest who uh, gave us the privilege of having a conversation with her. Uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Hi, everyone. My name is Londiwe, and I'm from South Africa. I am a sociologist. I'm also a lecturer, and I'm also currently doing my PhD, and I'm very happy to be here today. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So for any of you out there in uh, the social sciences looking for a mentor, you know, you might want to reach out to Lonely Way. She might be able to guide you a little bit there. Uh, but uh, just to start off the conversation, so you said that you are a, a sociologist, you are a lecturer. Also, I noticed you're a PhD student as well. Can you speak a little bit just to start the conversation about the process and the decision to uh to go after higher education and to go all the way as far as getting a PhD, what influenced that decision and what kind of mindset is required for somebody who's who's taking that rigorous of a course in order to get a PhD from your perspective? Okay, so my road, well, when I started, it started off bumpy because at first I wanted to be a lawyer, then I couldn't be a lawyer, I wanted to be a journalist, and I had studied media for the journalism and I had taken sociology as a major as well. So fine, life happens as we know. <laughs> and then I furthered sociology on the basis of that. It's always just been such an interesting major for me. And it sort of opened my eyes to the issues of society. And then I got my first degree and then I was told to come back and do my honors. And to be honest with you, academia was something that was just like, oh, okay, I'm just studying because I like it. And then the more I studied it, the more I understood it in terms of how, um, you know, studying society is important because you can look at different issues. So the mindset I'd, I'd say um, you'd have in terms of getting to your master's and your PhD You'd have to do it, um, you know, not because you're chasing money, because academia, you do make money, but it takes a while to make money. <laughs> it takes a while. Um, so, uh, you know, it takes quite a while. So you just need to know that, okay, if I like sociology, where do, where do you place yourself in it? And, and, and how do you feel um, whatever contribution you'll make to it will actually, you know, it will leave some some sort of footprint or mark um, that others can eventually build on. That's what I'd say. So it just requires you to have a, a open mindset because of how, um, you know, the road is not necessarily as easy as just becoming an accountant and knowing that I these are the certain companies that I can just choose and go start making my money. Yeah. That, that's very interesting and you brought up a good point of um i tend to be of the opinion as well that that um in you know true passion i think what you were describing is passion when you say that wanting not only to study for the money or for the opportunity but also for the advancement of the study itself uh in your terms you know you've seemed to have found the passion in sociology therefore uh you, that passion will drive you to eventually add to the study itself. And I think um, we're missing that a lot in society, especially today, is passion for advancement 
uh, not only of the self but of the society as a whole. Um, just an observation, right? I'm, I'm way, I'm just a college student, undergrad right now, you know, so my knowledge is yet to ex- be expanded. But from my simple-minded perspective, that's how I tend to see things. That there's a uh, more of a, it seems, of a selfish motive behind mm. a lot of things versus the. Mm. you know the cause of the greater good and i exactly yeah and i think Mm. when it comes to sciences in specific there's a there's Mm -hmm. a big drought in not only people who are interested in the sciences themselves but those who don't see the potential for what they could do in the future and um Mm. but yeah thank you for sharing that and uh so you had mentioned that you were originally from South Africa, correct? Born born and raised in South Africa? Yes. And I'm still in South Africa, yes, yes. Oh, okay, awesome. So have you uh traveled at all around the world? I have once. I've been to England quite a while back. That's yeah, that's was my sort of first international travel so far. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the same page because I haven't traveled much either, but uh, the reason why I ask is because uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to know if um, if you've seen a big, being a sociologist, this was probably before, but do you see a big difference in culture, not only in terms of what people do, how they dress up, but also how people feel? Like, is there a different feeling when you're at home versus when you've been in England? Does the atmosphere change? Uh, because I tend to feel that sometimes just uh i guess people would call it the energy the vibe of the place itself changes from location to location Uh, is that true of your experience it's very very true because the when we when i went there you know um it's what they truly show on tv all the nice landmarks when you get there it is the same and i'd say that the the atmosphere or like the vibe there is so it's so classy because we went to we probably went to very good areas it's very classy um you know people are put together um I, it's just i wish i could have gone to those other areas where you know how there's all the different corners where different nationalities they know that it's, this is their spot and then we know that um the the london probably the formal london is the tourist attraction area but it's yeah it's classy i must say like if i could live there i i I think i would i'd live there yeah okay that's very interesting yeah i think it it's also interesting how every country does have that it seems that everywhere you go there's a little pocket Mm -hmm. of diversity somewhere you know each culture tends Mm -hmm. to find its way anywhere and Mm -hmm. uh, you know i live in los angeles currently los angeles california it's a pretty it's not as big in terms of land mass, but it's mm-hmm. big in terms of population. You know, the city's pretty compacted, but we have a lot of people in a small area. And even there, it's it's even more evident. You look at it and, you know, you go down the street this way and you have uh, Koreatown. You go down this way, you have Chinatown. Yeah. You go this way, you have Little Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. You've got Little Arabia. You've got Little... I mean, it's just culture tends to flourish, I feel like. And people mm-hmm. have a tight comfort. Yeah. It's like a yeah. yeah I, there's this one neighborhood right now that you're uh, right now that you mentioned. There's this one neighborhood in there's a city we call Inglewood, or it's called Inglewood mm. right now. And mm. within the city, there's a area called Laymart Park, 
Lamar Park, and it's very uh, rich with African culture. And I have a, I've had a couple mm-hmm. friends that stay around there, so I've gone with them, and we've gone to visit, and we've just gone and chilled right there in the area. And it's it's mm-hmm. it seems like you're in a little piece of Africa, you know. If we didn't know any better, obviously I've never yeah. been to Africa myself, so I have no reference. But just the culture, you know, the blankets hung up, the instruments being played, handmade instruments, the music, the people themselves. You know, you've got a lot of Ethiopians, a lot of Egyptians, a lot of uh, West, East, South Africans in that area. Yes, a lot Mm -hmm. of different cultures. And me being somebody who didn't grow up in these cultures, you know, it's just a it's a treat for me to be there and to see it and to. And to uh, Mm -hmm. interact, but also to see Mm -hmm. how similar we are, because another absolutely yes Mm. another thing that i see is that we often have a lot Mm. more similarities with each other than differences but exactly uh Mm. it's just the skin color differences and maybe languages and whatnot but we human yeah right we're all human human. exactly exactly and that's we're all human and we all come from the same thing born on the same place but Mm. yet somehow it seems whether by and we can talk about this. Maybe there's some deeper conversation here, but it seems that mm. somewhere, whether in, in childhood, whether it be by the nurture, but we tend to alienate each other as we grow older because <laughs> when I was younger, mm. you know, luckily my parents were very not, uh, they were not prejudiced towards people. You know, they never put the ideas of prejudice in my head. They never told me, oh, you treat this person like this because of how they look or or you do this exactly. because of this, you know, I was just taught, I was raised around people that mm. looked nothing like me, who spoke nothing like me, who had different ideas, different mm-hmm. cultures, but we all coexisted, mm. you know, and that was a beautiful mm. experience, especially as a child, you know, uh, exactly. growing, growing up and, you know, I, it really took me back to, or it gave me the, the feeling of being in a tribe, you know, like we once all used to be, you know, back at, Exactly. We know we all evolve from we're tribal animals. We evolve from uh, exactly from mm-hmm. you know creatures that used to be very tribal, and we have this primal sense in us that you know deep down that's what we want. That's what we tend to exactly. That's yeah. what matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what you're reminding me of. You sparking a, you you just invoking something in me in that when I went to England, yes. more especially when we like at the airport waiting in between. You know, it's also what you're talking about in terms of how we tend to have like preconceived ideas of each other because I was getting asked questions like, oh, are, do you guys live with animals in Africa kind of thing? <laughs> oh, dang, that seems <laughs> rude. Yeah. We've evolved. So yeah. it goes back to what you're saying. Like, it yeah. took me aback because I'm also like you. I'm raised in a culture where when my parents never taught us race, so I only started understanding racism and stuff like that as I grew up compared to when I was little because I had white friends, black friends, Indian, you know, all mixed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny how people, and, you know, to some degree you can call it naivety. To some degree you can say that they're just being rude and ignorant. Exactly. But, but it's really <laughs> just that what you say, that preconception of, building Mm. a character before you meet the character you know you have to like i I try my hardest because i know i'm not perfect either i have that you know that human flaw to try and create Mm -hmm. an assessment of somebody on first encounter but i Mm. feel and you know you with your studies and you with your uh 
you with your education you might be able to come up with a more because i tend to give like the the basic layman's explanation of things and then you know i leave it up to the experts to add the details but um uh, it seems Mm -hmm. that uh we have this Mm -hmm. like whether it be through evolution some sort of like uh not trusting in order to not get hurt or whatever the case but we we make people not only just based off how they look but based off of certain things they do and I've found sometimes yeah. that the the meanest, most cranky, uh, rude person, offensive person, sometimes is just often misunderstood and turned. Absolutely. Yeah. You, and you, you just you reminded that. me of yeah. Um, in in sociology, what I'm currently teaching my students now, we're looking at exactly what you're saying regarding evolution, where the past society or the people who formed racism, they literally made it a science. And their science was that there is a perfect race and that perfect race exists um, and they are the ones who should have that ruling um, of being um, perfect and how, you know, the people who are the weakest link, of course, people who are probably non-white, you know, deserved to be sort of exploited in society. And it's just, it's exactly what you're saying in terms of, People, um, you know, we're all human. And like you're saying, as much as we don't want to judge people in terms of their misconceptions, but it's literally the way people are, should I say, socialized and the way they're raised to literally see the science that was created. I think it's called the social, I think it's the social Darwin theory of some sort where it speaks of that evolution where, yeah, it's you really reminding me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's it's not only interesting in, in concept but in in practice mm. also in the field. Uh because it is because these are not things that, you know, like you say, and I tend to be more uh are you more of a person who well obviously you're a sociologist, so you're probably more inclined to lean towards the the side of science, correct? Am I right in that assumption? Yes, in terms of, yeah, we believe, with sociology, we just believe that um, we study society using research and that science sense, yeah, and how we explore concepts, yes. So you're more of a, uh, you tend to go with the objective truth, empirical data, evidence, things like that, you you try not to. Okay, yeah, uh, because I feel that, that that mindset and that, perspective is becoming less and less popular over the years because of what you mentioned Mm. um Mm. because we have so much history especially recent history and when i say Mm. recent you know i'm speaking like within the last thousand years because relatively that's recent compared to you know the entire age of the earth so it is recent you know (laughs) it's like within our evolutionary cycle so there's this yeah there's this um there's this attitude towards science where, like you said, science has a history of being manipulated, a, a history of being used for evil. Because uh, when you create a standard, when you cre- give power to a group, an institution, the institution st- tends to be corrupted. And we've seen that with science where, um, like you said, false studies uh, completely. I mean, obviously, there's no such thing as a perfect race you know that's what evolution the the definition of evolution goes against the idea of a perfect anything 
things are not perfect or they cannot be perfect they can only evolve to adapt to their surroundings and that's what we're still doing to this day is every day we just evolve day by day but our evolution has gone from million year jumps to daily interactions having to wake up every day and deal with your attitude on a daily basis deal with interaction. so you're just evolving yeah. every day you know but some people have the again like i'm mm. saying they do have that that uh how do i say they have the stigma towards science like oh i, I can't believe science scientists lie about things and so how do i know they're exactly. not making this up you know how do i know they're not just making up something else you know some exactly. people and then some people abandon mm-hmm. science but i feel like it's important that we remind people and that's why i feel this conversation with you is so important because if people knew mm. that there were figures like yourself out there who are really uh putting boots on the ground and uh putting you know doing the work and trying to advance the science then maybe it would be more uh it would invite more people because you know you are uh, you seem like a good role model you know and i think that we need to highlight people like that in the field but yeah um so thank you yeah no problem but uh again it seems that that is a product of our evolution it is a product of uh, science it is a product of uh also culture at its present state you know the way right now um social media is a very very big deal and i just want to ask about that how Mm. as a sociologist who studies society who studies groups of people demographics things of that nature how does social media play a part i'm sure it plays a big role uh just how does it play a part in your in your studies in terms of behavior in terms of data how much is measured and uh, what role does it play okay so like you're saying because of how we study society um you know all the elements and all the structures in society matter and you find that the very social media we're speaking of is a very important part Um, of the way we communicate in society. So, for example, in sociology, sometimes we look at topics such as the communication and the new media, and we sort of look at how communication has evolved from, you know, um, because communication is important because we have to transfer information. So it, it has evolved over time where it used to be so simple, where you just communicate face to face, But now we see that our communication is within this, we call it new media, um, and these new media sort of translate. But now, um, like you're saying, because of how it has so much influence, I think the the problem begins in terms of how um, the media that we have today actually is a reflection or it it tries to be a representation of, of what we see in society. And even if it's only supposed to be a representation, (laughs) unfortunately, um, you know, people, it it tends to influence people a lot. And um, sometimes it can be a good thing. And sometimes it can also be a bad thing on the basis of that, um, you know, media is powerful in a sense that it can create norms. And if those norms are dangerous, it can actually make it, you know, the status quo or or something that just becomes, you know, sealed and stamped and part of society. Um, So, you know, those are the things that I sort of think of from the top of my head um, that, you know, 
the media or social media is just really a representation of um, understanding how our society works. Yeah. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. And you brought up a lot of good points as well. Uh, I just want to expand on the... So in terms of these unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy uh, uh, habits that are picked up through social media, because it is interesting. You described it as a mirror in a way that it's it, a man. If you're standing in front of a mirror and you stare for too long, uh, either you go completely crazy or you you start to question whether you're a reflection of the mirror. The mirror is a reflection of you. So <laughs> social media can be the same way where people uh, they see things in terms of trends, in terms of behaviors, in terms of virtues, in terms of morals being transmitted on the internet mm-hmm. and uh, the the mirror, and they lose the essence of who they are and begin to mirror the, the media itself. And when you get Sex. lost in that cycle, then you no longer remember your foundation. Now you think that you're, you're exactly. projecting yourself when in reality you're just copying everything that's being projected upon you. And uh, mm. I think that, has a big effect on mental health i don't know how much you can speak to mental health but how would you say overall does it affect society as a whole uh or can we start actually with your community Mm -hmm. because i feel like we we should start there and then slowly zoom out so how do you feel like it affects your community for people who don't live in south africa who are unfamiliar completely with the with the continent Mm -hmm. or the the region Mm -hmm. of the continent how would you say Mm -hmm. it's it's affecting african society in specific or south african first and then we can go to african in general okay i'd say that within where i live here in south africa social media is a huge thing on the basis of a majority of the population in our country is young people so we have something called black twitter where if you want to find out what's happening in south africa (laughs) black twitter we I'm have familiar. Twitter and ooh, <laughs> yeah. our Twitter is buzzing. You know, that's where you, you see what current songs are trending, what current uh-huh. dances are trending. So young people are, you know, they, they, they're moving on social media. So, you know, it has such a big influence in terms of even the things we talk about daily and the things we try challenge if we're challenging things or the gossip and and hate against people. So it really, within just the space I'm in, it's such a huge thing. And if you left out and you're not part of, you know, any social media, um, even your conversations don't make sense because even TikTok is something um, that's very influential, even all over the world, besides South Africa. So, yeah. In, in, in a sense, within our community locally, that social media is everything. Then I'd say if we now moving out and we, you know, we're going throughout Africa and, and the rest of the world, again, it's still relevant in a sense that um, in South Africa, we have a lot of issues regarding, you know, xenophobia. And currently there's just all these debates in terms of um, our country doesn't want foreign people anymore. How sad. <laughs> And, you know, there's that whole debate. So it's also now the influence of that whole globalization where just besides the media, um, we're communicating, you know, within the air per se, but there's still also movements, you know, physically, and we're still this global community as well. 
So um, again, there's a lot of influence in us understanding um, and getting to know other social problems um, that are happening, you know, within outside our space as well. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. imagined because I mean I have no way to imagine, but I wouldn't have imagined <laughs> that social media would play such a large role in South African society. But it, I mean, it mm. seems that it's universal in that way because. It seems that if mm. you can remove the aspects of society uh, that are physical, then it makes it more inclusive all around. But then it creates uh, power dynamics in people. So let's talk about oh, yes. that a little bit. How? What What do you mm. feel about the the negative effects? Right, because I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic when it comes to social media. Mm. I tend to focus mm. on the bad because. I think that mm. I think that these are issues that are only going to get worse with time. So unless you kind of like nip them right at the root, then you're not going to uh, you're not going to be able to stop it once it really takes off. But so do you see mm-hmm. that in terms of superiority? Uh, does the follower count create some sort of social okay. status? Is it, Are there mm. people flexing online like they would over mm. here? Do you see people showing off online? Does it create that type mm. of power dynamic where the popularity on social media equates to some sort of social status? Oh, yes, it really, really does. And um, I agree with you in terms of that sometimes it's very good that we, we should actually look at the negative aspects because those are the things that if we sort of ignore, they become problems literally now and more especially in the future. So we have um, trends of what we call people who are slay queens um, I defend them as people who are um, very fancy women, you know, your weaves, um, your nails, um, your influencer, let me put it that way, your mm-hmm. influencer people. Um, and, you know, they, they have this influencer life of posting the latest dress codes, etc. And, you know, that becomes, it, it, I think you mentioned something about mental health. That becomes something that influences mental health in a sense that South Africa has a lot of inequality. So we do have people who live well, but those who don't live well tend to be people who run after these influences. um, And you don't even know where these influences are getting the money to get these things, whether they're posing, you know, and it creates fake life standards per se, because we become so shallow. That's what I wanted to get at. We become so shallow, um, and more especially the black Twitter in our case, it's also become something of um, how black and black people hate on black people, or we have different like sort of could I say cultural tribes where we have Corses, we have Zulus, and we we even fight amongst each other because of yeah. that because there's always like you're saying those power dynamics everywhere. Yeah, mm. yeah. Social mm-hmm. tries, digital tries. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. Again, mm-hmm. it's just a. It seems to be just more of our human nature being, mm-hmm. you know, replicated in different ways. It's just you know, it's it's a different medium, but it's still the same, you know, the same patterns going on. And exactly. um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, just so interesting. I'm enjoying this conversation because it's just opening my eyes more and more about <laughs> how similar. Again, mm-hmm. how similar the experience is, you know when it comes to mm-hmm. especially the way you describe influencers you know and you say that it tends to be the people with the least who chase these people 
and it is true exactly. you know and it, and i think when you i you know it makes me think whether it's good for anybody you know because it's again you know like you say most of the time it may be a facade it may be this a mirage of of happiness and success but mm-hmm. when the camera turns off you know once they log out of social media then they go back to real life there's no telling what that mm. experience is, you know, ver- versus exactly. what it is like when you look at pictures. And mm. the fact that so many people who are, you know, maybe not doing so well or who are, you know, in um, I'm not sure how the economics are broken down in South Africa, but in uh, or in Africa in general. But, uh, you know, we have uh, we do mm-hmm. we label it by classes you know over here that's the most popular way we label it we say working class we say middle class we say upper class you know upper middle so you know Mm -hmm. that's just a general uh general description of it but i would say a lot of the lower classes who tends to fall victim to Mm. that you know that facade chasing that dream of oh you know uh Mm -hmm. you, you you go online and you see an influencer and you see them with an air fryer or you see them with a certain makeup uh, said and you're like oh you know i can't have their life but maybe i can buy what they have and now i feel exactly. like them you try your hardest to mm-hmm. replicate the experience without understanding mm-hmm. what's really going on you know and i it i yeah, believe living the dream kind of thing mm. i'm sorry living the dream you know kind of vibe oh, exactly that they- exactly living and yeah. it is a dream because it's you, you know uh, and uh it's interesting that you bring that up because I was just having a conversation with somebody about dreams and how Mm. dreams themselves are the aspect, you know, not just going to sleep and dreaming, but goals and things like that Mm. tend to be, Mm. you know, like when you go to sleep and you have a dream, right? They say that you can only dream of things that you already experienced. And a Mm. lot of the ways that people come up with their dreams in real life in terms of aspirations and goals is the same way they tend mm. to build it off of what they've already seen versus what they can achieve you mm. know so mm. they, they oh tend to, that's yeah. such a powerful statement because you just making me think of how people don't want to work towards what they need to do but they'd rather just talk about it or sort of put it in the imaginations because social media can be like that where it can be it can just be something where we just build some sort of imagination apart from ourselves. <laughs> right. And and the thing is that you have control over it. So that's that's what that's where it gets tricky because you have people mm. moderating the experience. You know, it's like it's like the person mm. who who you know and you know, every time you see them they're always talking about what they have. Oh, I just got mm. this new car. You know, I got a couple coworkers at work who you know they you know, this is no nothing against them right i just i just mm-hmm. listen to what they say and sometimes they'll speak about physical material things like oh i just got this new car i just got this new thing and in my you know i'll tell them congratulations you know but in my mm-hmm. head i wonder if it's if it's mm-hmm. something like the 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 object itself is never going to be enough you know you never get satisfaction from mm-hmm. getting things you only get satisfaction absolutely from... yeah Abs- you, know, you know what sorry to interrupt no, you no, go ahead. but you just you're sparking my mind you so we i think because we also live in a system of capitalism where consumer oh, purchasing or being consumer 
yeah, it's such ahead. a big thing to be a consumer. And here in South Africa, for example, like you're saying regarding material goods, here in South Africa to have an iPhone is everything. iPhone versus Android type of situation. <laughs> and, you know, Apple never rests. You're going to try to get the iPhone 7. Now there's iPhone 8. Now there's iPhone 11. It's iPhone like literally... 1, Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we keep chasing. You know, we keep chasing and we there's no rest. <laughs> yeah, ca- capitalism no is thing. an interesting system because it it again, it it has similarities to natural human evolution in terms of the the products in capitalism tend to go towards some sort of selection themselves, whether it be natural, artificial, or even uh, cor- controlled in a way, you know. Sometimes, uh, the market mm-hmm. controls itself in terms of corporations uh, deciding what you want instead of letting you decide what you want. You know, like you say, Apple has Actually. done a great job of that. A- Apple does an amazing job of convincing <laughs> you that you need a new iPhone, even though you just bought one two years ago. You know, but no, you need the new one. You need the new one, and if you don't have the That's new good. one, then you know you're 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 lost in the dust you're a dinosaur you're not in the future anymore so or then they they have the watch and the earphones and now you got people walking around with wireless earphones apple watch apple phone you know Mm. and for some Mm. again i i wonder to what degree it's beneficial and to what degree it's detrimental because it creates a vulnerability Mm. in terms of if you lose these things Mm. then what are you without it but it also creates it creates mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. sort of motivation, maybe some sort of uh, ambition for people. It gives them something to jump towards, to reach towards. And even though it may mm. seem temporary, it does have some mm. positive aspects. Because, I, again, those people that I speak of who, who, you know, talk about their new car, talk about their new whatever they bought. Uh, although, mm. although they may be chasing a dream, they are in mm. terms of reaching some materialistic goal. They are exactly. also motivated to do the thing. So they mm. are, you know, like you said, some mm. people talk about it. Some people commit action. So at least those people are mm. committing the action to get to that place. But at the same mm. time, it does, it mm. does. I uh, feel like create that anchor. Into yeah, where it's like yeah, this, and it's addictive, uh, sort of. It's like an addiction, mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah, it's like an addiction that we have. We, I think we we feel that it's more important for people to praise us in terms of how we're doing superficially than it is, like you're saying, in terms of when you're alone. If you think about it, like, you know, what what does it really serve, you know, to chase everything? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, and I want to get your opinion on what, what do you think is the overall... Like, is it good? Is it bad in terms of social media and having that, that, you know, creating false idols with these influencers and then creating these dreams that people can achieve, but are probably never going to achieve because they don't even exist for the person (coughs) themselves, you know? So do you feel Mm -hmm. like overall that's beneficial or detrimental? How, How do you feel in terms of that dynamic of having people watching this life movie essentially happening? Mm. I have mixed feelings about it, but I feel, let me start with the detrimental. I feel like it's it's detrimental for your mental health per se, because like I said, it's so addictive. Um, like, for example, I find myself where um, I could have subscribed to people who are influencers 
and they show us whatever's happening in their lives and what products they're using and what they recommend that we use, it becomes something like um, if they don't upload or if you just miss it, whatever, it feels like you're missing a big part of your life when really um, a big part of your life is just being present where you are. So I feel like emotionally, psychologically, um, it sort of pulls us down because, you know, even with young people, some young people, you'd be surprised that for the fact that they eventually want to commit suicide, for example, it's that environmental factor of, um, you know, the things that surround us in social media, where it sort of puts the pressure on us, I guess, to make as if like, this is the way and there's no other alternative. And if you're doing an alternative, you are boring and you have no, you have no social standing. So I feel like it's detrimental that way. It can be good only if, say, it was balanced, where right. we do have people who, you know, are able to attend to whatever social well-being that's positive and can contribute well. But I think it's it's tricky because of how people tend to like things that are more controversial than if you had to come and say, I'm talking about my podcast was about vegetables or how to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You've lost, <laughs> you've lost like a lot of people, the and they're just like, okay, why? Exactly. <laughs> so that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, what's crazy? It seems that first of all, be, that statement that you made, beautiful, right? The, the whole, the, the idea of the moment, because I'm, I, this, are, this is something that I f just ponder about. I just sit down and I mm -hmm. think about it a lot, and. You know, the moment, the idea of consciousness, the idea of, but more importantly, again, like you mentioned, the moment, right? This, this removal of yourself from your current life uh, for various reasons, right? And I think it, it does have to do a lot with anxiety and um, because me being an anxious person, I know what it means to have an anxiety attack. You know, uh, luckily over time, I've like, I've learned how to, like calm myself down essentially in the moment but i do understand mm. what the feeling is of separation from self from body mm. and soul like to feel like the life that you're living is not connected directly to who you are as an individual and i think exactly. that that comes from like you said negative behaviors taking on the behaviors of other people or the ideas mm. of other people you stand you start to lose your your self-identity so then that creates mm. some sort of anxiety, some sort of uh, separation, if you will, from who you are yeah. in your head and who you are in the physical world. Like I have times Back. where I sit down and I'll just be like, what? Mm. I can't even believe what I've done with my life up to this point. Like it mm. almost seems like it wasn't me living my life that whole time. Wow. But that's because mm. that's because I recognize the moment and how much mm. potential there is in the moment. At any moment, you can completely change your life. You can completely choose to do something drastic to change your entire course of being, right? Like you said, uh, unfortunately, uh. this is it's a very touchy subject, but it's it's mm. important that we talk about it when it comes to suicide is that because suicide, in a sense, right, is the ultimate mm. detachment. It's, it's getting to the point Back. in your mind where you completely mm. no longer mm. feel like you're yourself, mm. where you feel like the only solution to whatever you're going through is to exit this just world. to go away just to mm. leave just to not mm. be here anymore because you've you've lost mm. not only 
what what it means to be in the moment but you know and i can't speak for everybody right this is just my observation general observation but yeah. it seems that mm -hmm. there's this moment of detachment where you get too detached to where you no longer see any value in continuing to live in the moment but i think that it is mm -hmm. important that we do emphasize that and uh but i just want to hear your opinion on that what what do you feel the moment is what what you know we are in the moment right now every word that's coming out of my mouth is happening in the moment every, you know me moving my hands right now is a moment you know it's mm -hmm. just, what, how important is it that people are focused on that and creating an outcome with that versus looking at other people you know like the, so we have this saying Absolutely. where people say stay in mm -hmm. your lane you know which means like stay out of other people's business you know focus on yourself mm -hmm. And although at times that, ha that people are saying it like in jest to try to like, you know, argue with each other. But it does have a fundamental meaning in terms of stay in your own moment, you know, stay in your own reality, exactly. control your own mm. vehicle. Don't don't be too worried on controlling things that you can't control or have no control exactly. of the outcome. Control your own outcome. Mm. So what would you say to people mm. out there who are who are currently in that moment again? <laughs> of just trying to decide uh what they should do with themselves what do you think the first step is in in taking hold taking power over the moment again i guess i would say that um you know with sociology it teaches you that we are products of society but at the same time uh society is not something that's stagnant so we do have the power to actually change things so, you know, it's important that, number one, you you sort of understand, um, you know, where do you come from? And, you know, it, it, it goes back, I think, more especially um, you inclusive, because I'm sure you guys fall under, should I say, um, all of us as black people, um, including your Mexicans, everyone who falls under the, what do we call it? I'm just trying to get the right term. Like those who haven't been benefiting from history, let me put it simply, as simple yeah, as that. Sure. People who have not benefited from history, I feel like we have so much diverse talents and we have so much to, to produce. So you should be able to sort of say that, yes, I'm a product of society and find as we are born, we are influenced by a lot of things, culture, etc. But you still have the power within yourself to actually decide what you do want. So you do have the power to choose not to conform to trends and norms that you feel, um, you know, doesn't suit you at that moment. So I think it's important to even trust yourself and know what you want. That's what I love telling young people. I think as soon as you know what you want, you are able to say that this is what I want, this is how I'll get there, and this is what won't, t if I sort of um, deviate and detract, from, you know, what I'm supposed to do, it's sort of, um, so be intentional. Be intentional about your life, be intentional about your decisions, and be intentional about the relationships you form and the things that you decide to take part in, in social media, et cetera. Yeah, so that's that's what I'd say, yeah. Uh, you said in the beginning that, uh, that social media, that the, I've, I wrote a note norms. So do you feel that the people 
uh, influence culture ultimately or does the culture influence people or is it some sort of exchange there do you feel is it chicken and the egg who knows which one came first <laughs> culture or people but you know and this this leads to another question but we'll start with this one first so do you do you feel that culture i mean obviously it's fundamentally human in terms mm. of the way it manifests but do you feel that the people determine the culture or is it a meeting in between of the surrounding and mm. the people are the people or mm. is it just something arbitrary that comes from nothing where we just decide to have a culture mm. and then we just practice tradition over years and then the culture gets passed down eventually or how mm. do you feel on that in terms of the origin of culture that's such a good question so i'd i'd, I'd really say that um you know because we products of society um as society i guess whoever was whoever came before us right <laughs> they probably sat down and whatever um whatever discussion they have to form the very cultures we have the very beliefs etc that influence us i'd say that it's it's you know it's first decided upon and as the decades the whatever the years pass um you know those very meanings begin to be passed down and sometimes you know there are certain things that have been created without our, even our permission and we born into those things and we sort of have to roll with them but again the beauty of history shows us that nothing stays the same forever and we we evolve and we edit and we alter as as we go along so i could say that we are products in a sense that um you know we are we we are born into these things but someone must have created it of course whatever many centuries back yeah that is fascinating as well how we do uh in many cultures and this is something that I, I actually was listening to a podcast recently and they do they did talk about this um and i guess that's where the question came from in my mind was this idea uh. that cultures all over the world populations all over the world you know completely inaccessible to each other at an earlier stage they tend to have these patterns where for example we spoke about language a little bit uh before the podcast started we just you know we're mentioning the beauty of language and language Yay. itself is beautiful because i find language beautiful because uh, i often sometimes i'll be at work and i'll be walking down the hallway and i'll have just have a random thought and it'll occur to me that the thoughts come to me in english because i speak english and i'll <laughs> think to myself hmm i wonder if somebody who speaks uh <laughs> mandarin or somebody who speaks greek has mm. greek thoughts or they have mandarin thoughts or what language do their thoughts come to them or do they even think <laughs> in language do they think in images mm. sometimes i imagine mm. something you know it's just it's just a lot of possibilities and it makes me wonder how the human mind works for other people you know mm. who have different experience because i think that's how i um i think that's how a lot of these ideas come to be is just trying to put mm. yourself into different shoes and then trying to understand mm. the experience from that direction but it Mm. yeah so in terms of culture again um you know the way that language you know even though every culture in the world or every society or whatever you want to call it creates their own language mm. fundamentally mm. the language is what's the similarity the, the need to like you said convey ideas to 
explain things to give descriptions to memorize things it's just mm. it's something that we all have within us and it's something that we obviously see for good but the way we mm. use the language in today's society i feel is becoming more mm. and more alien to what it actually is to speak a language you know because the whole entire point of language is to come you know to speak to translate what you what you Different. think in your head and you know, into words that other people mm -hmm. can understand you know mm -hmm. and, uh that's why people learn other languages and uh, that's why people, exactly you know that's why mm -hmm. there's so much of a value in being bilingual and before i get exactly. on to the bigger question i would just want to know do you mm -hmm. feel that there's some potential for a, a, a global language in the future or do you feel like the system that we have in place in terms of just learning each other's languages and translations and mm. things like that. Do you feel like that's more efficient or do you feel that there might be some sort of universal global language that might be established sometime in the future? Do you feel that we have the organization required for that? Wow. That is such a good question because you, you absolutely right. You know, language plays a very important uh, role, even in just in culture itself, because like you said, it allows us to share our ideas and thoughts and, you know, it, it, it really, really builds society. And we've seen how language um, is something that in our prevalent society, it's such a big issue. Um, so for example, here in South Africa, to begin with, there's talks about decolonization and how, you know, there's this competition between languages in a sense that um, because of how colonization sort of separated people and made English, you know, this core language, um, it, it has really brought debates in terms of of how we tend to we can even use language to sort of impose ourselves um, on other people, more especially how English is just one example. But to answer your question, really, I feel like it's it's tricky because remember we've only had sixty two years of independence, um, so it's something that's still you know so early to determine on the basis of how there's still a lot of the generation who was, um, you could say, who was, you know, still under the racism and how they feel, you know, language has imposed on them and how they still feel like um, they still want to make their home languages official. So I think we, we still have a long way to go. But the, so I'd say that the generation like us and maybe when we have kids and our kids' kids, et cetera, maybe they can form some sort of um, new way of thinking compared to currently now. It's, it's, I think it's it's still early. In, yeah, I guess. That's a great point, honestly. That's an amazing point because, uh, mm. you know, but I want you to, if you, if you don't mind, to give us a little history lesson on, uh, Africa because you the, South Africa I don't know how the entire connection to the entire continent works but if, mm. if you could because I'm I myself am not familiar with uh with the history of you know the 52 years did you say 52 or 62 years 60, of yeah 62 years or so yes so can you explain that mm -hmm. history that recent history and kind of what the events of that history because I'm not too familiar myself so I'd love to learn that's okay. So um, we begin where, um, I guess, you know, um, there was this discovery of a new world, they termed it, and 
um, you find that um, I guess in the more developed countries, more especially like your 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 England, your Western countries, where they started exploring the world, right? And then the 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 problem came where they started, you know, realizing that oh, okay, Africa has resources, right? And with having resources, you know, they were able to sort of again, it goes back to like in, in terms of language, like how you were speaking about language. Um, you know, there was that barrier, but for whatever reason, you know, they were able to to conquer that by making sure that, you know, the African continent actually learns the English language or learns the, the foreign language, I'd say. And, um, you know, it, so sometimes I guess when we look at history, it's probably even just more, uh, it's, 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 it's more than the resources that were taken. But it's also looking at the breakdown, <clears throat> excuse me, of culture and, and how um, a lot of people's um, cultures had to be suppressed, you know, to accommodate, you know, the colonizer. So, of course, fine, you know, the slavery and whatever colonization happened where people sort of had to sort of um, think in a different way, dress a certain way, definitely, because I'm sure um, with each, you know, African um, um, country, they had their own ideas and thoughts and feelings in terms of, you know, how they dress and how they actually see themselves. So I think now we, we are living in a society where um, we are so infiltrated, you know, by different um, thoughts and, and, and cultures in terms of our, I guess, our own internal culture, you know, versus um, in each African country, they had a different colonizer. So some were colonized by the French, some were colonized by the English, I'm sorry, the English, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it ends up making up their histories because even the very buildings we see um, still speak of colonization. So in a sense, my point was just driven from that history to say that, um, you know, when we think about all those things, we are in, within the African context, um, we, we are now just talking about how do we still further decolonize even our minds um, because of how, you know, we are so influenced. Um, like, for example, here in South Africa, just for example, like if you speak English well, um, you know, it makes you a person who's in better standing than someone who went to a previously disadvantaged school and is still struggling with English. So, you know, it's things like that that way we still see, we still measuring each other, you know, with the, for example, with the colonizer's language and we still see it better because of how it provides better opportunity. So you're, it's a, it's a battle. <laughs> it's a battle. So yeah, I guess, yeah, battle, to sum up, exactly. It's an ongoing battle. It's a, it's an ongoing battle. Yeah, ghosts of the yeah. past. Mm. Uh, you, mm. So you said sixty-two. So it was the independence from from was it from England? It's how can I say this? So a what happened was there were African leaders, right? And there was something called Pan-Africanism. It started within your nineteen sixties, where African leaders said we need to create um, an Africa that speaks for Africa. And um, we should embrace our Africanness and, you know, and try to separate ourselves from the, the Western vision. 
So Pan-Africanism started and they sort of championed and had revolutions um, until they gained independence. And then I think from your, yeah, your early 1960s, independence started where colonies started drifting away and giving African states um, um, independence. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. Very fascinating. Mm. Um, so before mm. before I get into my point here, I just want to mention a work of a novel, a literature piece. Uh, are you familiar with, uh, let me get this, let me get this author's name correct because I do not like okay. to get author's name. Are you familiar <laughs> with Chinua Echebe at all? familiar he's the Sounds author of familiar. a novel named things fall apart are you familiar with things, things fall, fall apart yes i've heard of the books but the book but i haven't read it yet yes uh, you would yes. love it uh i highly recommend the book to anybody listening as well <clears throat> mm-hmm. the book essentially goes tells a story of you know that's why i was so fascinated because i i i, I was wondering if it was what i thought it was and it sort of mm. is because uh, in the mm. in the novel as well, I'm not gonna give too much away for anybody that's gonna read it. But essentially, we follow a character who's who's uh, given his tribal name is Okonkwo, and he goes mm. through this process of raising a child. And we see the story of of the mm. life of the tribe and the cultures of the tribe. This is all set in Africa, by the way. And this is mm. uh, he gives his story. We we meet characters. We meet his wives, multiple wives. We meet um his kids we meet the character the character is built up as this great almost mm. it, it almost reminds me of greek mythology in the way of, mm. of creating this mythical figure who this strong powerful being who uh, eventually through these exact same matters that you're talking speaking about this imperialist movement this evangelical movement of the english and european culture throughout africa uh colonizing mm. And it goes all the way back to our point that we we're speaking about language. You know, the language essentially is a tool for communication. And just like any tool, you can use it to either do the greatest of goods or the worst of evils. And in that situation, uh, the colonization of Africa and other many parts of the world, but Africa in particular, since we're on the topic of mm. not, of not only infiltrating a culture by imprinting imp- imp- imprinting yourself on them but also mm-hmm. destroying the culture that's already there in order to remove okay. the identity from the people and uh mm. you know this is a bit of a i guess i guess it would be considered a conspiracy today because there's no facts behind it but it's it mimics a lot of what's going on today in american culture you know not not as extreme you know but just in terms of removing stripping the the skeleton from the culture and then mm-hmm. implementing your own ideas you know you take away the you take away the the importance of the tribe you take away the religion of the people and you give them christianity you give them catholicism you give them more uh more european ideals you know more you give them this morale this this list of uh, rules to abide by which conveniently follow exactly in the way that you need them to and everybody who rejects Mm. it is seen as a heathen and everybody who accepts it begins to gain this uh status within the society and it becomes an opportunity where 
uh, you know, oh, well, these uh, European folks are coming over and taking over. I might as well be on the good side and, and you know, get a mm. good job, you know, get a, a job in the church, exactly. become a minister, become mm. the right hand man to this European settler. And then you create the division within the tribe and then slowly you, you take away the culture, you take away the tradition. And then now mm. you have people who are broken in terms of morale, in exactly. terms of spirit. And now they're more easy mm -hmm. to conquer because they have no they have no roots. You know, it's like that old exactly. saying. They have that old mm -hmm. saying where they say, if you stand for nothing, then you fall for anything. And that's exactly. what, that's kind of what happens there. And it's not that they don't have any culture themselves is that mm -hmm. their culture has been removed. And language exactly. is a tool used to do the removal because, you know, you you uh, outlaw certain words, you demonize certain words uh, in the book. Mm -hmm. There's even instances where the old language of mm -hmm. the tribe if they hear them speaking the language they get beaten or they'll get taken away you know because that's mm -hmm. what that's the way that you do it you take away the mm -hmm. culture of the people and you make them lose their identity and once the identity is lost then you can recreate the character mm -hmm. so now it's you know not only have you broken their will but now you've created a slate for a new person a new society and again like you said over the years that's what happened uh seemingly from your story of the history is what happened mm -hmm. is that they were stripped down and then rebuilt with this European lens in terms of uh, culture, in terms of uh, exactly. religion. And I yes. do want to ask, you know, on the topic of religion, is there some mm -hmm. uh, is there some universal religion? I know I know mm -hmm. now because of colonization and things like that, there's a lot of different religions, probably region to region. But is there some uh maybe tr more traditional religion or some like old time religion that they have you know because i know the people in mexico as well you know we come from uh aztecs and mayans and there's a lot of that indigenous culture but then we also have mm -hmm. ourselves have gone through european and spaniard colonization so we have a lot of catholicism mm -hmm. and things like that that comes from mm -hmm. uh europe and spain in particular but do you do, is mm -hmm. there some like root religion or root fundamentals are there people who still hang on to the traditional beliefs and what are those beliefs mm. with us the same way as you guys we still have a lot of indigenous beliefs where um a lot of people um especially in africa still believe in ancestors um and burning incense um you know to 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 actually acknowledge their ancestors and then we still have a lot of Christianity here because I guess, you know, the spreading of Christianity went over throughout the world. So with us, sometimes it's mostly that. But again, because we have, you know, Indians, we have, yeah, I think we have Indians. Yeah, Indians, they have, you know, their own gods. So it's like a whole variety of multiculturalism, you could say. Like there's a whole mixture of things, I guess, as a result of, um, you know, how um, people who are now suppressed can actually, um, you know, start practicing whatever they believe in freely. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, it's it's tough because, uh, you know, this is a, a problem in terms of, you know, in terms of needing a solution or not a solution, but we try to mm. create this, uh, you know, or a society is essentially an organization of people, you know, trying to make sure that everybody can coexist. 
So when you have mm. so many conflicting ideals and conflicting beliefs, and especially beliefs that contradict each other and go against each other, then it creates that yeah. social friction. So I, I wanted to ask you how how do you feel about the the conflict of ideas, especially in today's times? It seems to be more prevalent where people uh, identify in a sense with what they feel in terms of ideology. Uh, in America, mm. it's more of a what we would call there's a you know we have a two parties bipartisan system we have democrats who tend to be more liberal and to the left and then we have republicans who tend to be more conservative and to the right republicans tend to have more traditional beliefs in terms of gun laws uh, abortion rights things like that and then on the left we have more open ideology in terms of legalization of certain things and being more uh being more accepting of change and, uh, you know, th those lines have become skewed because of extremists on both sides. We have people who essentially just attack people based off of their affiliation of, of politics or, or even not even an affiliation, but sometimes just an idea. Like if you feel yeah. me, myself, yeah, yeah, me, myself, mm. I tend to have a lot of ideas on both ends of the spectrum. But I understand if I speak any of them, then they're under probably going to go under attack. Luckily, I don't really worry about it too much. You know, I'm more worried about being a free much. thinker. But mm. there's a do you feel like there's or what or what do you think the overall effect is? And do you feel like we'll come to some sort of uh, peace time eventually in the future where ideas and is is do you see that in African society where there's uh, mm. people who have uh, these ideological battles where it's like, no, uh, no, you, you, you <laughs> like, OK, one of the popular in most recent history, you know, I don't we don't have to give personal opinions or anything. But, you know, this whole uh, renaissance of uh, gay, uh, transsexual, uh, a whole bunch of, you know, this whole new wave of pronouns and calling mm -hmm. people certain things that they want to be called and uh, things like that. You know, that's one of the biggest cultural shifts that has happened in recent history in terms of acceptance, in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, becoming mainstream. And that seems to be an mm. issue where a lot of people teeter on as well, where some people are accepting of it, but they don't want to be manipulated in terms of language. And that's kind of where I stand, too, where I, I accept people for who they are and I show respect where respect is due. Mm. But at the same time, I, I don't like the idea of people uh, controlling what you how you speak or the language you use. So what do you feel about those types of ideological wars in society? Do you feel like. Oh, there's some course for it or what do, you, what do you think it is? So um, I feel like um, it's very difficult because of how, um, you know, the, the, the generations that keep developing are on the basis of how, um, you know, we each time we evolve, we keep thinking differently because like you're saying with gender, whoever thought that there'd be so, so much different categories of gender, we, I never would have believed them. So society is developing at a fast and, you know, complex, and it becomes a, a battle of, like you're saying, ideologies. And for me, I feel like, the, like I said before, the only way that will be better would be a clean generation <laughs> that has no preconceived ideas, because I think as we evolve, yeah. we carry one idea mm -hmm. over the other and some people can't let go and then it becomes a thing of my truth is more important than yours you know it's difficult 
it's very difficult. It so, is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, difficult and it's complicated, because, right? Exactly. Because you know with like gay people, asexual people, pansexuals, I had a debate with my class and it the class became so hectic because they were all, the older <laughs> yeah. people in the class were just like, you are sick if you're gay. You are sick. And then the young people <laughs> yeah. are just like, but shouldn't we express ourselves the way we feel like we should express yeah. ourselves? So you can't say we're sick. So ah, it's 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 so difficult. But I, I like your point in terms of I'm also like you, where sometimes it's not necessarily about being right, but, um, you know, sometimes we just need to sort of um, feel what we need to feel without um, having too much judgment. Because I think the, the result of globalization is that we have to accept each other for who we are. And the embracing of actually being able to learn another person's language, it makes you bond. You know, so it's right. like even me and you, like now I know I have a friend in Los Angeles. How how great is that? And if I come that side, yes. I know I can come and say hi. Right. So and we, we, we foster relationships in that way, you know, where we, we need to understand each other. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's <laughs> one of the most beautiful parts of social media is, um, you know, once mm. you get past all the comments and all the hate stuff and everything, you know, you you get connections you get you know global connections where uh without the means of social media we, we probably would have never met you know but because i was able to scour social media and look for uh somebody to have a conversation with and i found you and i stumbled across and now we're having this great conversation because you know that's a mm. gift so you know as much as i'm talking about it in a negative way you know this is an example of the most positive outcome of social media you know people creating connections finding each mm. other and, you know, in a sense, mm -hmm. it, it is the same way in real life. But without going too far off the topic right now, first of all, mm -hmm. this, this is why I'm glad I don't have a dog in that fight. Right. The whole, uh, you know, how you were talking <laughs> about the old timers and the young people. And it seems that it is that it seems that there's more of an obvious rift in that category of demographics of very older, traditional thinking people and younger, more progressive mm -hmm. people where. Uh, the, exactly. the youth is a lot more accepting exactly. however and uh, accepting is good right accepting is very good we mm. need to we need to include mm. people right even though uh they may not be right or wrong whatever the case but the inclusion is important because then we can have the debate like you say you mentioned the debate with your students Ooh. which i think is awesome it's good to have a debate always you know and especially in terms of uh academics it's good to uh, mm. Not only create a point or to have an idea, but to argue for the idea so you understand how much you actually believe it, you know, because sometimes mm. uh, we're compelled by speech, right? Sometimes you just hear somebody say something in the right way, with the right tone, with the right mm. delivery, and it hits you in a certain way where yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I do believe that. But you never mm. know until you really believe it, until the idea <laughs> is challenged. You know, once the idea is challenged... <laughs> Then you're like, oh, uh, uh, well, actually, uh, I don't know why I feel this way. It's it's just uh, it feels good, you know. And it's like that's fine too, you know. But at the same, t when you want to speak about things in in terms of you know the direction of society, it's good that you have yeah. evidence to back what you're speaking of, you know, or you have at least some yeah, argument for why you feel you know, the way you feel. Yeah, is it valid kind of thing does it have quality and that's what we lack in in this society i i'd say that's what we lack we we can know we can know so much but 
we we don't have depth. Yeah, we don't have depth. We definitely and, and we don't depth. understand consequences of you know the things that we sort of push. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, you know what I think that is, you know, and that's a amazing way to put it. We lack depth. You know, we lack. Mm. We're one-dimensional beings in a three-dimensional reality, you know, and it's like we, you know, because, and I think I wouldn't chalk that up. I would give that blame to just the style of conversation that we have nowadays. You know, I grew up, you know, I'm 25 years old, so I grew up, you know, uh, I've, I've seen the world a little bit when internet wasn't around so much. You know, I still remember having an actual childhood of being outside going down the street talking to my friends you know making friends you know being out in public not having mm. our face in the phone all day you know actually interacting with Yay. each other and i think that's mm. where you get depth from is from deeper, absolutely you know deeper questions mm. deeper ideas that come from having conversations with other people you know because mm -hmm, like uh mm. how do you feel about that do you feel that uh, what what how has your uh, upbringing uh, affected mm, the way that influence. you think oh wow and i think you, you're mentioning such a lovely point because it goes back to what i was saying that um like i also i was also the same way as you where i was in an environment where literally i had a social life of playing with friends getting dirty like a normal child watching tv here and there um you know having all these physical activities where you'd literally just worry about the present moment. And and I think that's such a beautiful thing because it keeps you, okay, not purely innocent, but it, it just keeps you pure in in a sense. And I think we've, we've lost that on the basis of how we were talking about how you, you were even mentioning. There's just, because of social media, we exposed to so many things at the same time. Too many And things. it's sort of like... <laughs> Yo, yeah. <laughs> every day there's something new. <laughs> so it's yeah, I agree with you. Like I also miss that, and I and I, if I if I do get to have kids, I'd yes. like to build that environment for them where they read books. Like I'm I'm a book reader. I love sitting down reading physical books, you know. And you know, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. And going hiking and being able to separate yourself from. Um, you know, the technology that we always consumed in. Yeah. 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 And I think it, in today, you know, speaking of social media, there's this, mm -hmm. there is this uh, <clears throat> great line between what is artificial and what is natural. Mm -hmm. You know, we see it mm -hmm. in terms of bodies. We see it in terms of ideas. Mm -hmm. We see it in terms of mm -hmm. uh, just what we see, you know, what we hear, what people think. And I think the, what we're speaking of right now is uh, another uh, another differential in terms of uh, somebody who has a more natural human experience versus somebody who has a more artificial human experience. Because if your experience is with social media, then in a sense, that is a more artificial human experience because it's being created. It's being uh, not just created, but also uh, how do I what's the word? It's being uh engineered manufactured in a way it's not naturally occurring you know you have to type the words that you say you have to think about what you're typing so it's more mm. artificial versus a real conversation right mm. where when you're yeah. having the conversations you can mm. 
you know, I, I, I remember having conversations when I was younger. I remember having these, you know, speaking mm-hmm. to somebody, asking them a question, seeing the confusion on their mm-hmm. face for a second, exactly. watching their <laughs> watching their eyes roll up into yeah. their memory bank, and mm-hmm. then they recollect what they're gonna say, and then they spit it out. Right, it's and then, genuine. Exactly, it's, it's genuine. It's it's how conversations should be, and now it seems exactly. that people have this. Uh, exactly script almost yeah they create this script in their head where they already ha- know what they're gonna say to you i can just say lol to you typing now and i, I maybe i'm not even laughing i'm just saying it so uh-huh. you know uh, we pass time or just to get over whatever we're talking about <laughs> right right yeah, or even like like you said not laughing <laughs> but typing lol because it's it's uh exactly. it's language Whoa. you know how we're talking about language it's the way to describe what our reaction exactly. is like oh i laughed at this mm. like oh he or she wrote lol what? that means that what i said was funny or they're enjoying the conversation or whatever the case mm. but mm. we do have that but it it's also again social media has this unique quality because it does mimic yeah. society in a way but it also mm. does have this nature mm. where people people aren't necessarily being 100 yeah. percent human online because exactly. they're not mm. looking at a person face to face they might be behind this anonymous mm. cover they might just be a profile with the with exactly. the random picture with not the you real know, name yeah. so there's no social mm. consequence it's it shows on that um what oh, do catfish, they call it catfish um, Yes, catfishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. See, see, catfishes. Catfishes is another mm-hmm. very interesting phenomenon where you have this mm-hmm. person who's going completely yes. the other opposite side and completely taking advantage mm-hmm. of somebody yes. who's trusting too much, trusting into social yes. media. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, living. It's like. Um. And and you know, you mentioned such important points because we end up. Um, creating like lives on social media in terms of um, you know wanting to be things that we are not because of how um, there's that standard where social media puts that you you have to be um, a certain way to be cool to fit in you know um, what society says is cool for social media and it's sad um, because um, can you just imagine just pretending to be someone else that you can sort of get the people that you think you should be with it's 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 exhausting <laughs> it's exhausting exhausting mentally and then yeah, soul, yeah you know exactly it's exhausting and it's sad because people have to do that because once you you become real um then it's just like oh you're talking nonsense like you're boring us, can't you see that we are on this trend? Like, wait a minute. But when people start committing suicide, when people start becoming admitted at hospital, then it's like, oh my gosh, why didn't you say anything? But like, they they sort of were, you know, right. it's a cry for help to be pretending to be something that you're not, you know? Yeah, it's a yeah, cry for help. I, I like to, well, I'm not a psychologist, psychologist or psychoanalyst or anything Mm. like that but Mm. i I like to think Mm. that i have become Mm. sensitive to these cries for help because Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways it's never truly a cry for help it's more of Mm. uh, you know you know how you said we lack depth when when it comes to Mm. personalities i think i think that that Mm. it's a mixture of lacking depth 
and yes. wanting to mm. wanting to be a mystery you know what i'm saying wanting to yes. not like not let people understand the depth of who we really are oh my mm. yeah yeah and yeah then, yeah and they're yeah. creating this in, internal conflict you know where you say people do get caught up in this uh this tangled web mm. of anxiety and of depression mm. because like you said they wake mm. up and whether it be mm. before it would be um you know before social media the it would be uh, mm. something like somebody wakes up you know mm. they kind of go out there you know maybe they're at, at a job they don't like too much maybe they're in school mm. and they're not liking that mm. they go they put on this mask you know they say hi to people good yeah. morning they smile when they're dressed mm. certain things like that and mm. then they go home you know and i feel like even that is more healthy in terms of you know even if exactly. you don't feel like you identify with what you're going through necessarily then at yeah. least at least you can figure that out through through personal exactly. experience every day but when exactly. it comes to social media you know there's this mm. there's this yeah wake up log in i'm gonna pretend exactly. to think something i'm gonna pretend to do this i'm gonna pretend to be this person it's and like it's, you don't exist <laughs> right the person doesn't exist. exist it's like a character exactly. it's like writing a novel it's like writing a, a book exactly. in the moment mm. Mm. exactly and then, and, right. and, and, and it's like then, and that's the that's the most sad part because it means you more you more lonelier than ever, and then you have all these thoughts inside your head that you can't even externalize and 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 and, and actually share. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and you know because you're doing it online, you know you're mm. not interacting with people per se. You're interacting with the shadows of people, with the ghosts of online people. So exactly you you tend to develop this presupposition about people based on your interactions mm-hmm. online when in reality you have no actual interactions with human beings, actual physical yeah. human beings. And uh, It's like, yeah. Mm. yeah. And you, it's, sorry to interrupt you. It's like Go saying ahead. that you sort of think that people are having good lives and um, maybe nothing is going wrong with them and it creates that false happiness when everyone is suffering in, in some way or another. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, again, when the person is alone, it becomes a lot more difficult to tackle something like that versus if you are at least uh, putting on this masquerade in, in society and in physical society, then at least you have the companionship of others. And you know, it's more likely than not that somebody else is going through a similar experience. So maybe eventually you're more likely to find somebody who's um, more like you and make you feel more mm. comfortable versus online exactly. somebody online I, there's yeah. people who who online they even you know as crazy as it sounds i feel like there's people online who who fake being mm. like mentally ill you know what i'm saying gosh you can say that again <laughs> yeah, right they fake yeah. being mentally ill so like imagine somebody who's really mentally ill and then they go online mm. looking for some sort of a crowd to comfort them and all they find is people who are pretending to be what they really are so then they lose the sense of who they are because they're like, oh, are these people what I'm supposed to be like? How come I'm not like them? Not knowing that they're not even like them, you know? Exactly. Some, though, like you're saying, some I've seen who, who pretend to be that way. And then when um, when you check their timeline, they are the very people who go attacking people. And then you're just thinking, but aren't you supposed to be that mental health advocate? So I... It's both ways as well. <laughs> Man, and then there's this, 
this dissonance mm. of of having this again you know mm. using using what you're fi- it's like people have this uh this tendency to fight fire with fire and that's the worst way to do it when you're arguing with somebody online or when you're having a debate in general mm. you know if you're if you're debating against mm-hmm. ignorance you know you don't go and be ignorant yourself you know because then you've just stooped down to the level of the other person so in a sense you've enabled what yeah. they're doing so you have no strong mm. argument against them because you've you've proven that you've proven that they can totally. deduce you to doing exactly what what they have done and then you become their and that's that I, th- I guess that's what media creates um I, that's what we see in media a lot and it creates empty people and then now you don't even know where to start because of how people just become the same mm. exactly yeah it's they very become interesting. the same very very mm, fascinating mm, very. uh mm. and we're back sorry for the little break everybody but we're back so we were speaking a little bit about the effects of social media and things of that nature uh but i also wanted to talk about how uh so to talk about society and the the direction of things so you spoke about how Africa is currently going through a decolonization period, right? That's the the reform of what's going on. What are some of the, mm. what are some of the alternatives that are being offered in terms of replacing what's going mm. on? And uh, you know, is it moving towards a democracy? Is it because I know there's certain parts that are more mm. uh, democratic, correct? Mm, definitely, and there's still unfortunately some other parts in Africa that are are still, you know, they're still trying to get there. And unfortunately, because they still might have wars, um, they, they're still in between and struggling. So, um, for example, in South Africa, um, a lot of young people, um, they do a lot of marches to actually um, protest against, you know, um, this, this era where we're still in um, Africa, for example, but there's still many things that sort of um, do not align. So, for example, where I am at the University of KwaZulu uh, Natal, they're trying their best in terms of um, bringing in the different languages. Because we have, for example, we have like um, 11, 11 or 12 official languages. So, in where I am, for example, the, there's one dominant language where they're trying to actually say instead of only having English, within whatever websites we have, within whatever, um, you know, emails that the university sends, they try have more than one language. Um, and they try also incorporate, um, you know, languages within the curriculum, et cetera, um, as well as treat naming um, and naming buildings. Um, they are trying to sort of um, de-Westernize um, a lot of Western places and giving them, for example, African names, etc. So it's it's still a work in progress. It's not perfect because um, now and again, like you can still see that, um, you know, it's not completely 100%, even still on the basis where um, a lot of our curriculum is still in English. It will take a while to sort of, um, you know, break it down properly. Then... Um, Within outside of our countries, I know I was writing an article um, regarding, um, I think it was Liberia or Ethiopia, etc. So countries like that, for example, are still even trying to rebuild themselves and rebuild their people and economy because 
they are still fighting wars they fought, for example, um, during the time there was colonialism and they're having all these tribal wars. So I think some of countries like that still have a long way to go because of how they still need to build themselves before they even think of, for example, um, what colonialism um, did in terms of, you know, transforming, you know, other things that they should be transforming. Yeah. Right. So in a sense, you got to learn to crawl before you walk, you know, you got to exactly. take baby steps. You know, mm. you had spoke about, mm. you had spoke about, uh, you know, I guess what can be described as a cultural reset, you know, and uh, I mm. feel like these things happen naturally over time, you know, and I think we're, mm. we're caught in an interesting time in history, you know, that where, mm. uh, where I guess you could say we're in the, we're in the middle step, it seems like, yes. you know, that's what. <laughs> at least from my perspective you know from that's my opinion that i feel like we're somewhere in the middle we're not uh we're not barbarians you know we've gotten past the ideas you know and this is speaking from a western perspective from the from the perspective of yeah right the development of western culture in terms of um, and uh, more specifically uh the united states you know the united states has a culture within itself you know we uh, obviously mm. gained our independence in 1776 so it's been about uh 300 years give or take a little mm. bit less mm. you know so in 300 mm. years we've progressed so much as a culture you know and just uh you know well there's debate about the culture of the u.s as well because of native americans and things like that so that gets a bit controversial but you know just, yeah exactly and uh, you know and there's this if you look at America as a social experiment, it's it yeah. you know it's three hundred years, but it's so much change, so mm. much um, mm. I- ideological change, especially you know uh, mm. we started with slavery. This country was founded upon the you know the belief of slavery, the utilization of slaves, mm. African slaves, you know the utilization mm. of uh, other peoples, of minorities, of uh, you know. Uh, creating mm. creating this idea of freedom under mm. the basis that every man has freedom by birth but mm. yet you know having hypocritical actions to that or contradictory mm. actions in terms of enslaving mm. other people and yeah. so the history itself says a lot to the inconsistency with human ideas but also with the mm. with the quickness of change you know it seems mm. that change can happen very quickly under the right circumstances mm. under the right circumstances mm. change can happen very very quickly and uh it seems that when we ultimately do good it's a it's a result of some sort of awakening you know and i think the same way or not, not just good but progress mm. when we make progress right but progress right progress yeah. and, and the way i describe progress is i heard somebody say this once uh, it stuck with me progress is not necessarily good progress just mm-hmm. means putting one foot in front of the other and making continual mm-hmm. growth or continual change you know so progress can come in terms of uh even like right now right we're making progress but we're stuck in some sort of stalemate with uh with ideas with people with progress Idea. right absolutely right mm. and uh 
so like I was saying, you know, in America's history, we've had we've gone through slavery, we've gone through uh, things like internment camps, we've gone through two world wars, civil war, uh, various wars with other countries over resources, and uh, we've gone through Jim Crow laws, segregation in the more recent times, and then civil rights movements in order to counteract those that segregation. Uh, pe- mm. groups fighting for rights in a certain country yeah. and it makes me wonder mm. how the applications of this history can be utilized by other nations do you feel that mm. africa would benefit from some sort of revolution of sorts some civil war of of uh or i guess war is is a bad word to use but it, you know they say that <laughs> war is inevitable you know because mm, definitely especially for drastic mm. change you need to it's not gonna be, mm. be words that take the powers down you know it's gonna be by through action through fiercity to, right so mm. do, do you think that 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 the form of change that's required in your society and the society that you grew up with comes with uh, mm. more aggressive action or do you think that there there's some there's some way to do it philosophically mm. That's such a good question because that's something I also always think about in terms of, um, you know, when you were talking about the history of the United States, the same way you guys went um, through a lot of, um, you know, racism, we also have uh, that that familiar that we I think we could say we similar in terms of you know the way race is structured, because um, you did speak of the high class, the middle income, the lower etc mm-hmm. so we we similar in that sense that we both um went through um racism i'd say it's it's difficult because of how even here for apartheid to have ended um there were revolutions where people literally became um they just said no we are stopping the country nothing will work until the government hears us or until the 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 old um, apartheid government hears us and I guess it worked in that sense because of how um, in current present South Africa we we now have experiences of getting into previously um, you know white owned places but now my worry about the revolutions is that um, there's this guy I, I used to teach about I think his name is Nelson I think he was a professor um, he sort of like brings a good important point of that the more we keep fighting revolutions you might find that more especially the 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 students we have they end up getting arrested then they you know they have criminal records etc and because of whatever vandalizing or you know trespassing and you know you know how revolutions are always so violent it also now produces the thing of um where how long can we use violence for when the very same laws are the ones that recapture people and they get arrested and now they have criminal records and then now when they need to move on with life, they stuck again. Right. <laughs> but the very same system. So I think it needs, I'd say that um, maybe yes, revolutions can still work, but there still needs to be a mindset of um, we still need to go to the boardrooms and 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 and, ha- and think about things and have a, a different mindsets because remember now we are in the system already, and um, for example in South Africa 
we are in democracy. Um, you know, the white government doesn't have full control anymore, although they have control of the economy, but that's another story. So we right. are in the, the structures already. And I think we need to make something of that and, and build the current structures that we have according to, um, you know, what we need to make it into. The, the, the problem with revolutions is that um, I just I personally feel that some people get so stuck in them that they forget to build at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, that's you brought up mm. a lot of good points, especially um, one that stuck out to me was how you're speaking of revolution mm. without any solution. You know, it's like you reform mm, mm, mm. and the justice system as well, because I've been on both sides of the justice system. So I have the perspective of understanding the system mm. from the inside and seeing how uh here's the thing right mm. in america we have this and i'm sure you can relate but we have a vast corruption vast uh power tripping police force mm. you know they're very corrupted they're very uh in, you know intoxicated mm-hmm. by the power that they are bestowed with mm. and uh it it creates mm. this superiority complex mm. in terms of you know law enforcement being these uh, figures Mm. untouchable figures and then uh, ultimately Mm. the result of that being that people you know when you understand the system it's not hard to beat it it's when you're looking at it from the outside that it seems to be so tricky but once you get on the inside you know it's so easy to be a part of the system that all you have to do is say the right things and get into the right position and now you're in power and uh for some reason i mean you know this is wow i guess it's somewhat selective but i tend to feel like power ultimately corrupts which is uh something that i guess can be backed Mm -hmm. up by history many many powerful people in history whether it be their their origins be good or their intentions be good in the beginning it seems that the Mm -hmm. dynamic of power itself ultimately corrupts people because you know like like you say you you uh you have these leaders Mm -hmm. revolutionary revolutionary leaders and whether they be ideas and thought or ideas in action they they hold they hold the power Mm -hmm. of uh of what the standard is for what we're going to think what we're going to believe how we're going to act and, uh, you know, I, are you familiar with the George mm-hmm. Floyd case at all? Are you familiar with the, with the George? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I also wanted to discuss that with you, that I feel like it's so sad that in this day and age, you get people attacked that way by the very people who are supposed to protect us. And you, and like you could just see that they feel like they're doing the right thing. And, and that's, you see, that's what happens with, it's like they indoctrinated, you could say, the way they feel so strongly about the way they feel. And it's, oh, it's, it's so shocking that you can't even feel safe, you know, where you are. Um, so now where do you feel safe? You know, how just walking, you know, on the street or jogging or it's crazy. It's. Yeah, it's crazy. it's crazy in because, right, right, I, and it, it it's I, it shows two examples of of how how or what we've come to, or what we've become. Number one, it shows 
the absolute mm. corruption of power, right? This police officer killing this power. unarmed black mm. man, you know, whatever the mm. case, you know, people make excuses all day. But ultimately, that's a human life being yes. taken, and that's that's one of, that's the eternal mm. bad right there. You know, you can't killing somebody is playing mm. God, and that's uh, the ultimate sin. You know, to mm. remove life from another mm. human being. But besides that, and mm. also the reaction to it was very interesting because, you know, being mm. in Los Angeles, one of the biggest riots that erupted uh, due to this event was yeah. here in Los Angeles. Mm. So I got to see it firsthand, mm. you know, and I got a unique perspective of it because I know a lot of wow. people who went and participated in the so-called protests. But yeah, but a mm. lot of people were actually using the event as an excuse to just go out and mess things up, you know, to go out and rob stores, mm -hmm. to go out and destroy property, to go out oh. and inflict damage on the communities mm. that they, that they're a part of. And, uh, you know, mm. this, this says a lot to me about how, you know, how you were speaking of revolution without any, you know, without offering a solution. It's the same thing where, if you're going to protest something, you should come with some idea for what the outcome yeah. should be. It shouldn't be, oh, let's just mm. tear down the system. It's like tear down the system, exactly. but the intention should be to replace mm. it with a better system. Exactly. And, and I, I love your, uh -huh. I, I really love your point around the power thing. It really does corrupt because even here in South Africa, the corruption is so bad in that even the very people who become mayors, for example, or councillors, they're supposed to serve the community and they never go back to the community once they're elected. Then you're just thinking, why? You see, so, yeah, yeah. The, the point on power, corrupting people's minds is, impor mm -hmm. is important in that um, it's, it's very sad to see how... Um, even in the communities we, we live in where change is supposed to be happening, it doesn't happen. And it's even worse now, um, like you're saying, where you see people destroying their communities. Because um, we also had the same thing where there was people wanted to just strike about COVID lockdown and people lost jobs. And you know what they did? They looted all the malls throughout South Africa. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Right. And what is uh, what does looting a mall have to do with COVID restrictions? You know, it's, that's more of the, the greed of people. You know, they just see an opportunity to steal and they without getting caught and they take mm -hmm. it. And, you know, that's what mm -hmm. I was saying that a lot of the people that I know or mm -hmm. not, not that I know, mm -hmm. but people who I know of and people who, in you know, in the community, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these riots mm -hmm. took place in Los Angeles. They took place in the nicer areas. Mm -hmm. You know, you're describing the malls over here. It took place in Hollywood, which is mm -hmm. the more up upper class areas. Okay. Mm -hmm. So people who weren't even from those communities went there because they know that the nice stores are there. The nice clothes, mm -hmm. everything is there. Mm -hmm. So wow. they went, they broke down mm -hmm. all the windows. They went inside, they stole the stuff. And then they said that it was because of George Floyd, right? First of all, obviously you don't have, you don't really care about the issue or else you wouldn't have time to be stealing. You know what I'm saying? If you really cared about the issue, then all your energy would be invested into uh, making okay. sure that there's some recognition, you know, not just stealing wow. stuff. But exactly. but it's it's just something where we get to see inside of how people think on a mass scale or how people are, you know, Again, the, the, uh, right? Sure. sure. How people, no you know, 
No, it makes mm. no sense at all. But it also, what it does is it gives us a large sample of how people act when they're together. You know, when when people are in groups, <laughs> the the tribe mentality mm. takes over and the personal uh, responsibility dissolves. Right. You know, it's like it no, no, it's no longer my fault what happens. Now I'm mm. just a part of this bigger group and. If we break windows exactly. and steal things, then that's because, you know, hey. I'm in this group and I don't have to feel mm -hmm. bad about it. And, uh, mm. and uh, you know, you remind me of something that um, that's how you see when when people, you know, when like on TV, when people get interviewed by the like the news person and they're like, hey, what's happening? What's going on here? And like in South <laughs> Africa, you'd get people answering like, I don't know. I'm just here following people. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, what are you guys protesting today? Like, oh, this is a protest? I didn't even know it was a protest. I thought we were just robbing things. We yeah. thought it was free food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's how people see that. Okay, that's a physical manifestation of what we were talking about earlier with the idea thing. Mm. Whereas ideas are the same way, but ideas are even easier to fall victim to because you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is change the way you think. So if somebody can give you this this idea of, Oh, you should uh, you should chastise people if they have a certain uh, political belief or or idea or something. They should have a certain mm. point of view on an issue. You should chastise them. Why? I don't know why. Just because that's how I feel. So you're not you're not gonna go and tell them that they're wrong and then explain why they're wrong. You're just gonna tell them they're wrong and then you're gonna say bad things to them and make them feel bad. But, you know, in the okay. end, you have no, that's not going to create progress. Number one, it's only going to mm -hmm. make you feel bad. And the person who you're attacking, mm -hmm. they're not going to, they're not going to feel any more sentimental to your group. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy who, who cursed me out and yelled at me, mm -hmm. he really convinced me about his ideas. They're going to be like, no, the crazy no. people who do those things are not the ideas that I want to have anything to do with. So it, it, it exactly. creates this like stigma with your own ideology, but. It, again, mm. it goes back to that whole, the idea of war, you know, the idea, yeah. the war idea of us going to battle. And if we don't battle with our fists and we battle with our ideas and the same vigorous nature of war with no relent, with no mm. uh, consideration for the other side, with no bigger understanding yeah. of the outcome. You know, it's like, wh why are we fighting? Why are these ideas? Why? Why are these ideas so mm. controversial in the first place? Is it because we're coming to some conclusion or is it because we just won't need a reason to argue? You know, are we actually exactly. trying to to find the right and wrong mm. or are we just trying to be right or feel right? You know, and, and absolutely. You know, and, that, that and you might, know, you're uh -huh. reminding me of something so important because um, you find that that's why you find, the, you know, talking about decolonization, like how many years for 60 something years or for over 300 years, we keep talking about the same concepts, but we're going around in circles just because of what you're saying. And yeah, oh, we're going around in circles, in like circles, as a society. And also mm. like, a, like a pendulum, mm. you know, it swings one way for some while <laughs> and then it swings right back the other way right. for some while. And it swings, you know, mm. and, and whoever's in charge at the moment is just has the louder voice. But exactly. there's no it seems that people are satisfied with that, with just having a louder voice, you know, without any actual change. They just want to mm. be the ones that are, you know, and 
to take it all the way back to what we were speaking in the beginning about trends, about, you know, mm. physical trends, about the way people look, but also mm. the way people think is a trend, you know, to be, to have Ooh. these thoughts, you know, like uh, how you were saying how the younger audience may be more mm. inclined to have liberal ideas or to have these, you know, mm. it seems that the, it seems like those ideas have won this generation or the upcoming mm. generations those ideas have won the hearts and minds of those groups you know mm. so therefore mm. the future s seems that it will be more liberal and uh yeah so in america that means something big it means that mm. it means mm -hmm. that a liberal a liberal leadership a liberal uh mm. economy a liberal society means more inclusion but mm when you mix in this factor mm. of of chastising people of pointing fingers and creating enemies of people where are we going then mm, right. where are we going where are we going to be honest and is there yeah because then who's right if there's so many types uh -huh. of like you were saying um, earlier on if now there's pansexuals and all, all these terms then doesn't that create even more like animosity and tension between us because We'll keep wanting to prove our truth. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't know how long ideas like that will last. I mean, I, I mean, they're gonna be ideas forever, right? Once you introduce it, now it's something to think about. But uh, in terms of being taken, because uh, the thing about ideas is that they have such a big effect, but also yes, not just on people, but on things like politics, things like economy. You know, corporations are also, they also follow these rules because they know that if they go against them, they have risk of being canceled. You know, you have certain mm -hmm. companies that have been called exactly. out for homophobia, companies that have been called out for exactly. being anti-Semitic. Yeah, mm. yeah. So mm. you have you have mm. different aspects of it that are affected. You know, it, it affects economy, it affects mm -hmm. corporations, mm. it affects... Mm. The, the students that are coming up the next generation of scientists the next generation of doctors you know the next generation mm -hmm. of of engineers everything all those people who are in the oven right now being cooked up for the future of uh, the whole infrastructure that they're going to take over right now they're they're being created you know they're being created in those think tanks those colleges those uh, online yeah. and social media you know those characters are being created right now so hmm. it's important hmm. that we create a model for thought that doesn't necessarily favor hmm. whoever's oh. whoever's it's not a popularity contest you know that's the thing it shouldn't be a popularity yeah. contest it should be a a, mm -hmm. a debate mm -hmm. you know it should be mm -hmm. okay if you have this idea and he has this idea and she has mm -hmm. this idea then we all get together and we share our ideas mm -hmm. we find commonalities mm -hmm. we find contrasts and then we argue mm -hmm. on the contrast and we come together on the similarities mm -hmm. But mm, mm, mm. ultimately, it seems that we have this this messed up, if you will, this messed yeah. up way of getting through prove ideas. Themselves. And, and that my truth is my truth. And you cannot tell me anything because I know, you know, that's the type of, it's, it's very, uh, like everyone wants to just, they want to be right. Yeah, they want to be right. And in a way, it's self-limiting. You know, if you if you stick yourself to one idea too fast, 
then you're mm-hmm. not you're kind of downplaying yourself because the the human mind is capable of so much in terms of understanding in terms of comprehension mm-hmm. and figuring things out so when you when you mm-hmm. sit down on an idea and you and you double down on it and you you say that you're not going anywhere it's not just that you're standing for something but you're also not allowing mm-hmm. yourself to grow you know and mm-hmm. in my experience it seems that over time you know our ideas tend to grow tend to change because of experiences because of life but then again i think that it is that absence of experience again because of social media of not having physical experience of meeting people talking to people being in situations feeling feeling awkward you know there's something beautiful about having an awkward moment or having an embarrassing moment in real life because it's so human you know like you you go out and you say something dumb or you say a, a joke yeah. that you thought was going to make everybody laugh and nobody laughs and you're just yeah. like oh that's awkward but okay that's awkward <laughs> yeah but it's like you know but it, like that's you never feel more human than that moment because you're so vulnerable exactly and we feel you and we and that's how we bond and yeah. then we'll always have that moment that remember when we met and it, beca- it becomes a joke and it becomes you know, something that we sort of nickname each other on. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it's, so beautiful. And, right. And it's the good and the bad and the ugly. But but that's at least mm. an honest interpretation of what we are, you know, versus online where you have this, you know, you were speaking a bit mm. about, uh, what mm. was it? You were speaking a bit about how, uh, you know, the online, what is it that I was um, this is why I gotta take notes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the online. Oh, the idea, the the online. Okay, so you see, you know, when you're online and you're receiving so much information, you know how you were saying sometimes we Difficult. take a lot of mm. information, a lot of we see a lot of. In mm. in some way, we're seeing people's thoughts. You know. Yeah. Because yes, yes. because people tend to be more impulsive online because of the. Again, the absence of consequence, yeah. you know, like mm. if you're in person and somebody says something and you have an intrusive thought of saying something really negative, you will, yeah. if you have the control over yourself, then you'll be like, oh, okay, I shouldn't say that. You know, like <laughs> even though they upset me, even though they made me feel bad or whatever, I shouldn't say that one thing because yeah. the consequences of my words mm. are so grave that. You know, and then you think mm. yourself out of it. Oh, I don't even really feel that way. It was just the, the impulse of anger. But when you're online exactly. and you don't have that barrier, mm. you're just like, boom, send a tweet, boom, oh. send a send a picture, exactly. send a DM, and you you know yeah. you're yeah, seeing you're not accountable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, not accountable, and I feel like in a lot of ways you're seeing the darkest part of a person. Exactly, and that's the scary part about. Um, the media we live in it just it really dehumanizes a lot of things yeah right really like i've seen people like on twitter spaces where um the recent space i was in this lady she came back in three different accounts and i'm just like i know it's this lady now she's more (laughs) vicious because she switched off her picture Uh and i'm just like this is her voice and she's just saying all these things and she knows we'll never find where she lives and whatnot. And you'll never remember, um, you know, her voice, even if you had to see her in person, because you, you know, you'll probably forget about it eventually. But <laughs> oh my, 
Right. Sure. Like, you just get that. And then the thing is that you get that blast of negativity and it affects you in some mm-hmm. way because, of course, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I've had those. I've had moments in my life where I say something stupid mm-hmm. or I say the wrong thing or mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm out mm-hmm. on a date and I make a uh, you know, I say mm-hmm. something and it and it doesn't land the way I thought it was going to land. You know, it's like, oh, OK, I guess that's not going to work, you know, but it hits you and it sticks with you. You know, it has this it has this longer lasting effect where you might be in bed one night and then you just think about it like, oh, why did I make that joke? Oh, yeah, one time. Oh, it's that like was so we've stupid. lost our conscience. You could say we've lost our conscience as a society because, you know, we're able to hide behind, you know, all the social media. So we literally, yo, we build a new conscience, but it's a tough one that's very dark like you said it's literally so dark <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like it's like every bad thought that you have and then uh, you made <laughs> that great point of how people tend to mm. they tend to mm. allow their ideas to be who they are versus their ideas be of who they are mm. you know instead of thinking exactly. like oh my idea comes from who i am as a human it's like the other way who mm. i am as a human come from the ideas that i have but you're supposed to be in mm. control of your ideas. So if you're letting exactly. your ideas control you, then you're you're going to be you're in big trouble. Yeah, mm. you're in big trouble. Not only like in terms of social socially, but you're also in big trouble when it comes to mm. who you are as a, as your identity. You know, and then that's why a hey. lot of these situations. You know, and I, you mm. know, I know this is controversial just to say, but people's identities mm. of who they see themselves as are mm. fundamentally flawed because it's hard it's to thank you. as much as mm. we're mm. trying to create an identity or fi- it's it's the issue of finding versus creating are you being who you want yeah. to be or are you trying to find you know because mm. people have this idea of oh uh exactly. oh uh, you know i'm gonna go out on my own and i'm gonna find myself i need some time to find it's, myself you know and it's it's this presupposition mm, mm. that there's this self that we already that exists somewhere in the universe and that we have to somehow come to it we have to come to this self mm. but the self is mm. uh in a way yeah it's they mm. it's like w- free it's like you don't have to run after it it's there you can you know <laughs> in a lot of ways it's like a canvas you know it's like a painting canvas every single stroke of paint every single decision to change the color to create some edit to the image ultimately uh decides what the image is you know you can draw Mm. you can draw a blue painting and then you can decide whether it's the sky Mm. or the sea it's the same way with with ideas and Mm. with fundamentals and values that we have you can decide you have Mm. a value and then allow the value Mm. to control which aspect of your life it takes over Mm. it doesn't have to you know you know just because i feel like we should accept all people, uh, mm. you know, and be respectful. That doesn't mean that I have to be a tolerant person because I there are certain Thank things you. I don't tolerate. But mm. just because mm. the idea exists within my mind and I accept it as mm. being good for myself and good for my experience mm. on Earth doesn't mean that I have mm-hmm. to be this overly, oh overly goodness. friendly, inclusive person. It's just, you know, mm. th- that's one aspect of who I am. And then, you know, there's very many different aspects and the shift towards ideology as your primary identifier is hard because ideas change so often and they're so fickle because 
all it takes is one person all it takes is you watching one video or one discussion where somebody proves that point wrong and now you've lost your fundamental basis so now you're back to square one just like um was i just a false person all i've believed in is a lie (laughs) yeah like who am i like i i must not be real now because you just disproved my entire Mm -hmm. existence why by disproving this one point so it's exactly you know it's important i think that we do keep an open mind with ideas and and accept them Mm. as they come and let them go as they as they please you know try not to Mm. hold too hard on them but still have you know still have those basics so like it's exactly what you're saying like as a human being you you open-minded but still have your fundamentals and your and your values that you know guide you and are, are your basics because it's just like relationships like you know for example if you're dating you have an open mind in terms of okay maybe if they're not tall and they're sort of short you can sort of adjust that and maybe they might have crooked teeth here and there or whatever but then at least you know with your values of perhaps you want children or there are certain things he must be Christian. You know, those things are, are standard and standard, you know, it right. doesn't change, but at least we, with personality, we can't control, but people, when they live their lives, they just, they make as if like, um, okay, fine. Society does have a, a strong influence, but they just make as if like they, it's what you said, like they don't have like some sort of, um, is it autonomy? Yeah, that's a good word to use, autonomy. Yeah, we do have autonomy in some way or the other. And I think even when you mentioned mental health, I, I felt like that was brilliant because it means that we we sort of also need to work on a society that has a strong resistance and a a, a, a good mental health to be able to actually, you know, withstand and, and, and go and build whatever journey they need to build. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know what? I'm always suspicious of people who in, embrace and endorse weakness in any way, because <laughs> a weakness is mm. obviously not good mm. in any way. You know, mm. and, and the the victim, the idea of idea, excuse me, of being victimized, of Yay. having a victim mentality is not healthy for anybody because mm. the world is mm. not is not Mm. against you or for you it's just there and you do what you want within it so it's not really right Mm. there's no Mm. there's no true there's no true like Mm. direction of the world the world is a mold you decide where it goes from there there's no way to tell you're right there's no way to tell you're wrong exactly and people who are weak that way and i agree with you those are the people that are the problem in our society and they are the ones who often probably take on roles that they shouldn't be taking. And then it's sad that us who are more, um, I don't know what word can I use, who are more open-minded, who, who see these things, we often shut aside by the majority of, it's exactly what you said, that mob mentality where there's too many of those people and then we get sidelined, I guess. Yeah, and it's sad. Yeah, you know yeah, what that sad. you know what I believe that is as well. You know, like I was saying, not just having mm. uh, because it's so much easier to be weak. You know, it's easier to mm. give up. It's easier to throw your hands mm. up in the air and say, "I don't know how to solve this problem, so I'm just gonna ignore it." Mm. It's easier to mm. to mm. fall 
into ideas that are so extreme because they require little to no yeah. effort in order to exactly. to form they, and they require, require no brain <laughs> no brain it, it takes no brain in order for you to be uh mm. super liberal or super conservative you know in terms of american mm. politics but it requires no mm. thought the thoughts are already laid out for you on the table if you want to figure out what exactly. you think you just read it and copy it but mm. the true the true nature of reality and the true nature of existence in 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 general is is conflict mm. you know is is this this uh mm. human issue this human problem you know philosophers for years for ages decades yes. centuries have had this issue mm. of coming to the conclusion mm. that life itself is not defined therefore it's hard to Sex. put definitions on things that we mm. that we follow mm. because you know mm. we've seen a lot in history you know and, you know th this conversation is going on very long so You know, I'm going to try to <laughs> wind it down, but, you know, we can, I have a whole nother conversation for another episode. Hopefully we can have another conversation, but just to Definitely try to move, <laughs> just to move towards the end here a little bit, you know, um, mm. the idea that, that this is not a new problem, nor are these new mm. ideas yet. The ideas have mm -hmm. yet to be implemented. The question being why. Mm. And again, I think it is due to that fact that there are so many obstacles to mm. becoming a free thinker and there's so mm. many obstacles to having an open mind because mm. the, like you said i think even you know the nature of a person who would have an open mind isn't the person mm. who you would probably assume to take that type of power you know like you said a person who mm. fund who really understands the situation doesn't really care for controlling the system you know and unfortunately mm. That seems to be the case so far. But if we can inspire the future, if we can inspire leaders to be more, you know, mm. and it, it is a fundamental question because at the point that somebody has a lust for power, has a want to be, be put in yes. position, do they become corrupted mm. at that point? So, mm. you know, a lot of the leaders in, in history who ultimately became bad started with some basis of original exactly. thought right they had this original mm. thought where they introduced an mm. idea to society mm. and then little by little that person probably gained notoriety fame influence power and then you know mm. the cases to be made whether they were influenced neg negatively by the power or if they ultimately seen that there was no solution to the problem but mm. it is an interesting thing and it's a worldwide that is such an interesting point you mentioning you know it, it makes me think a lot that You know, once the person is in, like you're saying, do they actually see that it's too difficult to solve? Then they just give in to whatever to say that, okay, you know, I'm just serving this term. Let me use whatever resources I can to build and, and get gain wealth so that when I leave the position, I'll still be wealthy forever and let whoever else try. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, word. right? It's like, hmm. you know, I have this conversation often with people where I, I say... The, the same the reason why consciousness is a big issue and i feel that it will be a big issue for maybe mm. a long time is because mm. it's the understanding the nature of consciousness is the brain trying to figure out the brain and just the same way that the an ant on the ground couldn't explain to you that it's an ant on the ground separate from a human being mm. is is mm. trying to understand yourself from within is the hardest position to take 
Because, because you're, you're already mm. in the experience of the thing that you're trying to understand the same way in society. Mm. You're already living in society, mm. right? It's working. Mm. It's, it, you know, mm. it looks like it's working mm. because it's, it's still mm. going on mm. every single day. So mm. to remove yourself, one, from the from the situation that you're trying to fix or solve or change mm. is one mm. problem or one issue. And then trying to come up with a solution that which solution is a complicated word because it doesn't it doesn't prescribe good or bad. Mm. It just means that it solves a problem. So the problem mm. is not fundamentally good or bad. Then the solution can't be fundamentally good or bad. So exactly. it's is is in other words is the solution really uh is it a unification of different people mm. is it coexistence mm. or is it reform is it removing everything mm. and putting something new which is probably the hardest thing to do because people mm. already have their fundamental beliefs there's already things like religion in the world that are implemented there's uh people are already mm. fixed to um their cultures and things like mm -hmm. that and uh so mm -hmm. to create this idea of a of a global race global group global society is a difficult one you know and it would take i think years yeah. and it would take a lot of yeah. effort you know focus mm -hmm. and effort in order to establish and um mm -hmm. it's just an interesting idea you know i don't know what you think about that i, you I like your point um, where you you sort of questioning um, I like it when you sort of questioning in terms of you know is it a reform is it a solution and I, I, I love that on the basis of that you know sometimes um, you know people tend to make the mistake where if they do approach situations they feel like they should be like a one solution fits all kind of thing and it's just like for example with poverty if you look at poverty, people experience poverty in different ways. And sometimes solving one part does not necessarily cover everything. So I guess that's also something, I guess, as, as a human, as humans or as society that we need to think about. And that it just goes back to what we were discussing, that people don't have an open mind and aren't able to think about alternatives. And that maybe we should be forming um let's just say i don't know what, what i'm trying to think of a word or let me just try put it simply where it's just like saying that um the different which is a framework or is it there's a word i'm trying to think of but let me not I kill my brain it's like a guideline let me just put oh, it okay, that, that way yeah. a guideline where it's full of multi perspectives i guess where because of how our world is very complex and has a lot of multi perspectives, but I think, you know, one at a time as we we keep going, I think it's easier to just look at, you know, something with more objectivity. But I agree with you. How do we become completely objective in something that we also completely live in? <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, it's so yeah. difficult. It's so difficult, <laughs> and that's why. <laughs> That's why the solutions that I feel if, if you know, if you speak to uh, other sociologists, if you speak to different people in different mm. studies, even just the regular everyday people, the solution mm. tends to be some extreme, right? Like the solution <laughs> is always going to be extreme because the only way mm. to imagine a different society is to imagine a completely different system. And 
Because <laughs> it is interesting because we do have examples of this, right? Mm. We have the United Nations, we have the World Ho- yeah. the World Health Organization, we yes. have NATO, uh-huh. which is a, a military alliance. Mm-hmm. We have the war. Mm. So, well, we have a lot of different examples of global cooperation but this cooperation mm-hmm. tends to be at the very top top tippity top of the ladder of the right. tree you know and it's obviously it's because mm-hmm. there's less people and when you have less people mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get along when you have a single representative right. when you have one mm-hmm. person representing uh poland and mm-hmm. one person representing america then those two people can get along way mm-hmm. better than the country of poland right. and the country of america could get along possibly mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. but it, you know, mm. it's it's through those means, I think, that we will ultimately achieve the goal is by focusing in on those things. You know, right now, as a society, we're so mm. distracted. And uh, I'll get into the, fi- the final uh, part of the interview here. But just to, as a kind of finishing mm. those, as a society in general, we're so distracted with things that don't matter, you know. And when I say don't matter, I don't mean they're not important. I mean, they're not they don't they don't mm. have any value in terms of progress mm. right what what good is arguing about race and gender and all these other miscellaneous arbitrary Jeez. things what good is it in the in the whole mm. you know scope of the entire mm. world it's not very progressive you know it's Yay. how we call each mm. other or what we say to each other isn't ultimately mm. a, a beneficial you know what's mm. beneficial is inclusion by action you know making people uh allowing people to have opportunities in different places, allowing people to uh, Mm -hmm. come to different countries, creating, you know, moving towards a more, uh, include more uh, open traveling, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, creating Mm -hmm. crosses and culture, allowing people to go to different places, you know, uh, different Mm -hmm. meeting with people, you know, and using uh, social media and the internet in general as a more beneficial tool versus Mm -hmm. a destructive tool as we have been doing, you know, Mm We've uh we've already mm. used it to the to the maxes it seems in terms of culture in terms of trends and things like that it's it's taken over Becky. people don't you know when I was young somebody would say mm. a joke or something in your you know like your friends in your neighborhood mm. or in your school somebody would make a joke mm. or say something funny or wear mm. something and then that person would set a trend and then the trend would mm. be followed so, mm. but now it's like a global thing where it's like. <laughs> Oh, you see, go on TikTok and you see a dance. Oh, it doesn't matter if you're in the corners of Russia or in the Mediterranean Sea or somewhere in Africa mm-hmm. or somewhere in the U.S. or in Mexico. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can participate. Up with. Every day there's a trend. Even if we go on TikTok right now, like oh, yeah. they never end. <laughs> never. They never end. And, and the mm-hmm. way by which they're created has no end because mm-hmm. all exactly. it takes is I, I think it says a lot to the fascinate the same way you know i'm completely fascinated with the fact that we're having this conversation i think people are fascinated mm. in others cultures and they get to see the world that they without traveling they get to see into the other yeah. parts of the world you know and, and uh mm. yeah it's interesting but yeah mm. let's uh we could go on forever about this but you know i'll save some conversation Seriously, for next time it feels like we're in person that's how good it is <laughs> yeah no doubt but yeah uh, so usually what i do with the last like five minutes of the podcast is i i just ask a few general mm-hmm. questions and these answers can okay. be as long as short as you want you know you can rant you can talk forever you can add another hour to this podcast if you want but these are just fundamental <laughs> questions that i uh okay. like to ask people 
to uh to so people can relate that are listening to you okay okay, okay. so uh it's about let me see two four six eight about ten questions uh okay. so question okay. number one what inspires mm-hmm. you to do what you do and when I when I say do what you do, that can be in terms of career, in terms of study, in terms of just your everyday life. What inspires you to do what you do, be the way you are? Okay. I'd say that it's it comes from more just loving God. So for me, God is love, and I try to do everything I do in love. So whatever I do as a sociologist, as a lecturer, I do in love. And whatever I do within the community in terms of the some of the projects I do, I do in love. So yeah, it's all God. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, do you have any advice for other people, whether it be people in your exact same position studying sociology in a PhD program or just general advice for people going through life? Okay. Um, again, I think I'm on a trend of love. I say that um, I think it's just important to find a, a topic um, an area of interest rather that you you enjoy or that you're sort of passionate about or that you sort of see that is is very prevalent in society get on it and 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 have a voice in it and and be diverse and be different from whatever's currently trending and yeah and and make your mark um on it that's what I'd say Nice. Uh, are there any quotes or texts or no- novels, any scriptures, any quotes that you live by in your daily life? Oh, yes. Um, I don't know. It's by unknown, I guess, but it, it's always something that motivates me. It says, be who you needed when you were younger. That's it. Hello. Oh, I think we, I think we cut off there a little okay. bit. Okay, I think about we, that. Got this, we got this. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering. I missed the ending part now, but I recorded it. We're good. Uh, so, um, the next question is, uh, are mm-hmm. there any ideas that you're compelled by? Uh, well, obviously you said religion is one, but are there any ideas of science, philosophy, art that uh, stick okay. with you in terms of you know whether it be a theory or just general? Okay. I guess for me, it would be more, especially what we were talking about, it would be the your decolonization where it's just really stressing how more African authors should be in the lead in discussing, um, you know, what I think African and um, I forgot this term, it's been a long day. But in any case, people who are non-white, inclusive of, of everyone throughout the world who is non-white, all the decolonize, de, the, all that decolonization is saying that we should have a lead in actually having a good social construction of who we are. So that really, you know, that's that's really in my heart, and it 
it really compels me to do something about it and join the conversation. Yeah. That's amazing, by the way. I hope a lot of people uh, learn or everybody learned who's listening to this today, too, about the I had no idea about the the idea of decolonization. You know, obviously, it's something that uh, would happen, but it's just something that you don't think about if you're not uh, going through it every day. So thank you for sharing that. Um, The first time in life that you ever felt accomplished. Whoa, I guess you're. Oh, that's a yo. That's something that <laughs> it can be big or it can be small. For example, one time I, I'm gonna share this story forever. One time I was interviewing somebody and they told me that their biggest accomplishment was that when she was younger, she used to always want braids in her hair, but her mom never braided her hair. So one day she learned uh-huh. how to braid herself, and she said that was the first time she remembers feeling accomplished when she was like four or five years old. So that's a beautiful story. Uh-huh. But so it could be something small, something major, however you could maybe i could say what i can remember would be i guess it it would just be um you know when i started probably um learning to trust myself and and stand in front of um when i started tutoring i guess and standing in front um you know of of, of the class and being able to actually <laughs> translate knowledge because i feel like um the more the more I grow up, the more I look back to see that, hey, you know, confidence is something that you build over time. Um, and it's 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 such a big thing um when you know that, oh my word, I've actually stood in front of people related to them and it used to be something that just sort of um I wouldn't say freaked me out, but you know, it's something that I never thought I would do. Yeah seems like a sort of a revelation in a way and it's mm. it's also uh it's very important first of all that we give credit you know right now that you're speaking about it to all uh educators around the world teachers tutors mentors people who uh encourage and support the growth and knowledge of other people because it's such a selfless act uh, you know, in pr- you know, in practice, it's a selfless, very selfless for you to give your time to uh, make other people better. You know, that's one way to look at it. And, uh, you know, me being a, a science student, you know, I've always been addicted to that. Ah, that ah moment, you know, the oh moment, you know, the moment where it clicks, you know, where that, that thing in your head just clicks. And the idea that you were once trying to understand has become comprehensible. Okay. And as a teacher, yeah. I can imagine that you probably get a lot of those moments with students. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that's an inspiring uh, experience in itself. It is. <clears throat> it really is. Especially when they tell you. Oh, were you saying something? I think you cut off right there. Oh, no, sorry. I, I just said, especially when they tell you about the mo- those moments. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people's first contact uh, of outside the outside world is teachers and classrooms. So, you know, it's important mm. that we have uh, good figures in those situations. You know, not just good people, but also people who have good intentions. You know, with the you know, because we have mm. in America we have this issue of we underpay teachers, mm. we pay teachers very little, so it tends to mm. create apathetic teachers, and it, mm. it creates students who care even less. So. You know, sure. uh, stressing the importance yeah. of education and uh, giving mm. giving teachers their proper credit and their proper due for being 
such uh, significant mm. figures. So uh, mm. a bit of a deeper question. Uh, so I'm mm-hmm. sh- this might have something to do with your religion, but do you believe in an afterlife or what are your thoughts about the afterlife? Okay, I guess I do believe in afterlife because um, as a a Christian, you know, we all, there's this um, thing of that, okay, we're just on this earth for a while and we do the best that we can, we live our best life and we'll rest when we get to heaven. <laughs> so I do, I do believe in an afterlife. Okay, nice. Uh, what are some goals that you may have uh, or that you do have, rather, sorry. Um, okay, it's to, um, I guess the big one would just be to eventually complete my PhD. It's taking longer than I thought it would. So I just hope I don't give up and, and just complete it at the end. <laughs> we'll be rooting for you oh. for sure. <laughs> oh, and another one would be um just to you know the mistake that happens with us as we 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 grow as academics we become very stuck up so my goal is to just make sure that say by the time i decide to leave lecturing that at least i empower um you know more than one person to actually you know even though they end up not lecturing sociology themselves but to just do better um, for those around them and, and use whatever knowledge they've gained from me to, you know, to, to do better um, in life and just in society in general. Yeah. That's a beautiful message. It's always good to lead by example, you know. It's, it's mm. hard to preach mm. a message mm. that you don't follow yourself. Uh, exactly. How has your experience in life affected the way that you maneuver through life? Uh, this could be if there's... Was there a moment in your life where you had a shift in mentality or uh, is there some experience or just the, the collection of experiences in life? But how do they mm-hmm. affect you in the way you maneuver through life, whether it be the way you interact with people or just the way you make your decisions? Uh, how has your life experience up to now uh, affected what you or how you behave? Oh, wow. That's such a nice question. When I think about it, I'd say that where I am now is is somewhere where where I never dreamed to be because in my mind I was supposed to be something else. So I feel like um there was a turning point in my life when I started seeing that okay the path that I wanted to go is not working and I sort of had to have a a open mind to sort of changing um where I need to to be. My values of course are still the same but just um having an open mind and that um, for example, studying the sociology I ended up studying um, is actually making me um, happy. So it's shaped me in terms of that I just have a great humility and I have a great understanding when I interact with people in terms of that, hey, you know, anything is possible. So any um, opportunity or any new opportunities, I just try my best um, not to cower or shy away from them because of how it can actually bring, you know, new, it can actually bring a new life or new journey that um, I never used to think about. So I've learned not to sort of limit myself and just have that humility and understanding for people to also, you know, grow um, in their journey and understand them better, that each journey is different. Yeah. 
Amazing. And if you don't mind, I would just like to use that little example to remind people that, as you said, sometimes uh, the path isn't clear, but as long as you're headed mm-hmm. in the right direction, you know, you'll you'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how you said that at some point mm-hmm. you you uh, gained, you know, you gained that perspective mm-hmm. of, you know what, maybe it is possible. You know, I've gotten this far. What, who's to say I can't make it even further? So for anybody exactly. out there who's in the in that moment of of self-doubt, you know, it's very, very natural for us to doubt ourselves because we're only we only know our limits based off our our experience. So if you haven't experienced something, then there's no way of you uh, being able to fathom that you would be able to achieve some greater achievement. But it is possible and mm-hmm. it, it takes time and it takes a lot of dedication and experience. And, you know, uh, the experience that you speak of in terms of. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred people can go through the same situation and you'll have a hundred mm. different outcomes. Uh, some people mm. may take something from the situation. Some people may be affected negatively. Some people may be affected mm. positively. So just remember mm. to uh, to go through life as you will. Mm. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, mm. Londiwe here is a big inspiration. So, you know, definitely, definitely find good role models in life. So the last two questions are either the easiest or the hardest, but uh, <laughs> here's number one is what do you love? Well, what do I love? I love sweet stuff. So I'm a sucker for chocolates and, and cake and all those stuff. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a, that's one that I haven't got before. Usually people go deep like, oh, I love this and that. And then you're like, I love chocolate, which is beautiful. That's, that's awesome. I like, I like chocolate as well. And uh, are there, is there a specific uh, pastry or candy that you like? You know, obviously I'm not familiar with any African uh, pastries or things like that. But yes. if you were to recommend um, one right now to the audience, like you have to try it at some point, which one would it be? It definitely with cake, just um um ordinary like proper chocolate cake. But when it comes to pastry, um we have like a shop a store called Woolies or we call it Woolworths, and they have like the spinach and feta pastry thing. It is so delicious. Oh my word, it's so delicious. You're but me any, even with sweet, like um I don't know if you guys we have like jelly beans or jelly babies kind of thing um skittles and i'm sure you guys have m&ms as well right oh yeah we have all that yeah. stuff yeah yeah like all those those are the good stuff for me <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that <laughs> and the final question is uh-huh. what are you afraid of oh my word what am i afraid of i'm afraid of being tickled i don't like <laughs> like yeah. being tickled like it just it's so uncomfortable yeah I, I don't think i'll even go any deeper but that's just one thing i know <laughs> like don't tickle tickled. me <laughs> yeah. i can actually relate don't to tickle. that because i have like an involuntary response to being tickled so like that's you mm. know, it makes me squirm <laughs> in an uncomfortable way exactly it's so, awkward so, oh it's very awkward <laughs> yeah interesting so she uh she loves cake and she hates being tickled uh that's that's an amazing way to end the podcast but again 
Londiway, I want to thank you for having this conversation with me. And once more, I hope we that we do have future conversations. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you again, and I'm very grateful that you had this conversation with me. Grateful that you spent the time, and I'm sure the audience will enjoy this episode. So, uh, as we continue to grow, we'll just uh, we'll keep keep you uh, keep you close in contact, so that you know if we need a guest, I'll reach out to you, and hopefully you have time. But uh, is there any last words or any last thoughts that you want to leave the audience with before we head out? Um, I just want to say thank you so much because, you know, when you approached me, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not sure, but like, I I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed the flow of the conversation and the different things we spoke about. And yeah, I'm so, I'm also so grateful really to even have met you virtually. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm I'm happy that um I joined in today. Yeah, yeah, the feeling is mutual. Uh, once again, thank you to our guest. Uh, do you wanna so just uh, how can they find you on social media and things like that? Is it um, you want to include your oh yes social tag? Um, I am on Instagram. I'm just trying to. Oh yes, I am on Instagram. And I am, it's at Londiwe underscore Jali. Um, I think it's almost the same way as you see when you were asking like how my name looks, but it's, yeah, it's without the MS that you see here. Um, and I'm also on Twitter um, and it's at Miss, M-I-S-S. I think underscore Jali, J-A-L-I. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook. <laughs> but yeah, I think Twitter and Instagram I use more often. So for anybody listening, uh, we'll include the links in the description and hopefully you guys can reach out and have a conversation of your own. Or just if you need a mentor, you know, I'm pretty sure Miss uh, Holly here will be willing to hear you out at the very least uh but again thank you to everybody who's listening we appreciate it and as always on the bottom left we have the social tag at in the cut global that's on twitter that's on instagram that's on tiktok and on youtube if you're listening on youtube then obviously you know please leave a like please leave a comment subscribe if you enjoyed uh, the conversation leave a comment if you feel like you have something to add or if you want to say anything uh, or even if you want to come on the podcast yourself, we're always open to conversation. And again, very grateful for everybody who's tuned in. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That just happened, so I got to remember to say that. But yeah, so all the links will be in the description. As always, uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in. Everybody out there, take care and peace.